Welcome to the Fandom Podcast, episode 93. This is the show about the TV, movies, comics, and books that you love. Every week we give you a little bit of geek news and then jump into the fandoms for discussion. This week, right after the random fandom and geek news, we are going to travel to Stars Hollow and spend a year in the life of the Gilmore Girls. Yes, you heard me right. This is going to be our take on the new Netflix Gilmore Girls series. So, still trying to figure all this out, I'm Brandon Ushio. Joining us from Team Chewbacca, we have Nick English. Babette ate oatmeal. And this week we brought on two subject experts to help us out through this whole thing. From Team Logan, we have Lena English. I jump, you jump, Jack. And on Team Jess, we have Taylor Iverson. I'm attracted to pie. It doesn't mean I feel the need to date pie. Wait, do we need pie? I'm, uh, I'm pro-pie. Now I want some pie. I made that pretty clear, I thought. Okay, so all I can think of with pie and Gilmore Girls is the fact that Sam Winchester is in there and he, and he plays a character named Dean and in yeah. Supernatural <laughs> Dean always wants pie. So that's the only connection <laughs> which I've is got his there. brother, right? <laughs> I know that's kind of like a universe bending kind of thing with his brother being Dean, but then he's Dean and Gilmore Girls. It's kind of hard to keep track. There was an episode of Supernatural where they came through to an alternate reality where Supernatural was a TV show and they were going through the Warner Brothers sound stages and they're like, and this is where we filmed Gilmore Girls. If you guys look closely, we might see one of the stars. <laughs> and uh, yeah, J- Jared Padalecki, who plays Dean on Gilmore Girls and Sam on Supernatural is just like hiding his face. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> All right, all right. But before we get through the other stuff, let's, let's jump into the random fandom. This is the segment of the show where we talk about the things that you love. You send us in your favorite things. We turn around and we share them with everybody else so that everybody can be exposed to some great classics. And this week, we have a classic for you. Uh, Clay Glad wrote in and he told us that his random fandom was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and that the next book that Douglas Adams put out, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, uh, and that the detective agency has been picked up by the BBC to do a TV series. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're going to get a little bit of the fun and the comedy that we had from Hitchhiker's Guide. I've seen it. It's rubbish. <laughs> Is it not good? <laughs> that's a line from the No, movie. that's a line from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you no, should know this by now, Brandon. I, I should. I should. My bad. My bad. It, Nick just talks completely in, in movie quotes. I resemble that remark. Also, I'm very interested in this because I really enjoyed Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but I didn't know about this Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. So just, just to give you a, kind of a quick synopsis, they well, first off, they have nothing to do with each other other than the fact that uh, Douglas Adams wrote them both. I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide, you got Arthur Dent, who is like a clueless English guy who somehow makes it off of Earth after it's destroyed by the Vogans to make a intergalactic bypass. And then in Dirk Gently, I haven't seen an ep- episode yet, but here's what Wikipedia says about the book. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency is a humorous detective novel by Douglas Adams, first published in 1987. It is described by the author on its cover as thumping good detective ghost horror, whodunit, time travel, romantic, musical, comedy, epic. Wow. Sounds like my kind of thing. Well, we have something that may take it o- take your mind off it. It won't work. I have an exceptionally large mind. 
Uh-huh. Well, Nick is exclusively communicating in movie quotes with us tonight. This will make the evening interesting. It's kind of like in Transformers when Bumblebee it just finds the clips from the radio radio stations to get his points across. I'm a personality prototype, can't you tell? Except less entertaining. Yeah, I think what I think Nick, we should challenge you to only do Gilmore Girl quotes when we get to the Gilmore discussion. <laughs> hey, though I have a million ideas, and they all point to certain death. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let's get let's get back to Dirk Gently because you know what? I don't think I don't think Nick has any quotes from Dirk Dirk Gently yet. No, uh, I don't because but, I've never seen it, and I don't remember so the book here, vividly enough. Here, here's an interesting thing. So the the book. The, the idea for the book uh, came from two Doctor Who serials that Adams wrote. So one was City what? of Death, which aliens try to change history at the cost of erasing humanity from existence. Sounds like, you know, 50% of Doctor Who. Right, right. Well, and then there's uh, another one called Shada, which has the first appearance of a Cambridge professor called Chronotus. So I guess he's hundreds of years old and he's been working at Cambridge for centuries. With sure, nobody nobody's going to notice that. Yeah. <laughs> he probably changes his hair, Lena. <laughs> oh, that'd do it. He's a time lord, it turns out, so it's actually, he changes a <laughs> oh, lot more than his spoilers. hair. Spoilers. <laughs> sorry, sorry, blame Wikipedia, because, you know, uh, I don't have a lot of a lot of uh, knowledge about this anyway, but, so Elijah Wood is in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And I find it kind of interesting that he is playing in this. He, it's, it's almost like he's like, I don't know what kind of comedies to do anymore. I used to be a hobbit. Now I just do weird comedies where I was a dog. Now I'm a sidekick of a holistic detective. Well, you know, the, the, you know that journey really took it out of him. So, <laughs> you know, he wasn't the same person afterwards. We all know that. We all know that, of course. Of, of course of we course. do. So, uh, but no, it's interesting. So this was made by BBC America and Netflix. October 22nd, 2016 was when it first started streaming or not when it first started on BBC America. So I don't know how I haven't even heard about this before. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like months. I recognize the title, but I don't know why. So probably some commercial you saw while watching Doctor Who or something. Don't watch uh, commercials. Oh, well, then then you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. I, exactly. <laughs> I don't subscribe to any television service which airs them. Except oh, okay. for, I guess, Hulu does if I watch something really new. Okay. But I don't do that often. So if you live outside of the U.S., you can watch this on Netflix worldwide starting on December 11th. But, you know, for those of us inside of the U.S., we kind of get shafted on the Netflix on that. We get shafted Netflix. by the BBC is what we get shafted by. That's true. By the BBC. And uh, it's, yeah, Netflix is pretty good at doing these deals outside of the U.S. They have the same kind of deal going on for Star Trek Discovery. I wouldn't have had to subscribe if I, to CBS All Access if I lived outside of the U.S. Time to move. I'm moving to Sparta. That's it. <laughs> it's been decided. What's the line from the movie, Nick? Which one? You've never seen 300? Oh, this is Sparta. Oh, well, I've seen that, but I didn't realize that that's what you were quoting. I, I thought I thought that you were... Uh, I've never, to be honest, I've never seen it. And, so usually and that's why I, I was confused. I was like, okay, well, he hasn't seen 300, so... He couldn't possibly have it, no, have any knowledge of its quotes. It's fine. Le- Lena saved us. <laughs> usually I can just like feed a little bit of, uh, feed a little bit of prompting your way and you just start going off with the movie quotes so i'm, I'm disappointed i'm disappointed that'll learn you stop prompting him <laughs> it's actually this is sparta that's what i said isn't that what that's, she said i that, thought you said, said it is i thought no. you said it is sparta see there goes nick not listening to his wife again 
Mm. Oh my Ugh. heavens. <laughs> Once again, you're wrong, Nick. Wait, why am I on this podcast? I already start <laughs> feeling like this is an episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I have already asked you why you were on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've already prepared to gang up on you. I hope you know. This episode was Nick's idea. This, this was all Nick's idea. He was like, we should do this. And I was like, okay, I've never seen an episode, but okay. <laughs> Let's never talk to you before, Brandon. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 a fandom thing. That's I love fandoms. I love trying to figure out why people like certain things. And yeah, uh, if you like British humor, you're going to like Clay's fandom of uh, Douglas Adams, it seems. Not just Hitchhiker's Guide, but also Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I'm Look really excited. Bring it back. I want to watch it. Brandon, have you ever read the book, Hitchhiker's Guide? No, I haven't. I it seems that's one that I should have read though. Like Yeah, it's it's short enough that I think you'd get through it pretty quickly and it's got some super great humor in it. If you've ever read anything by um Neil Gaiman, it feels a lot the same only not dark. Um in fact, Amer the uh Good Omens has a lot of the same Hitchhiker's Guide feel to it where it just sort of comes out of left field, but it's so clever and so funny. You just you have to keep reading. It's so funny. Okay, so take Neil, take Neil Gaiman, and then every time he, uh, every time he goes dark, just replace it with something out of left field. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, pretty much. In fact, the first I think ten or fifteen pages of Good Omens, all I could think of was this reads so much like Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> okay, all right. So if we combine Neil Gaiman and Douglas Adams, does that get us Neil Adams, the legendary comic book artist? I think that it does. I have two of his. I have his signature <laughs> on two drawings, and Lena also has one as well. I think that is world busting right there too, don't you, Taylor? Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. Right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was listening. Well, and if we go Adams, we could also talk about Adam West. Just saying. can we? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how That's, we do that. That's a rule, right? <laughs> He's Batman. I'm Nick's Batman. just trying to find a way to talk about Batman. Consistently. True. Yeah, that's so, Nick's goal. I actually in life. have a really funny story. So we went to Costco, me and Lena, this weekend. That's it. That's the story. Good story. It was really funny. That's a really funny story. So she so I go you know, I go I go off and then I come back and she's like, Hey, I found this really cool jacket for the Cobra and it had Captain America all over it. It was a big Captain America shield and I was like, Oh, that's nice. Do they have any others? And she was like, Yeah, they had Batman and they had, you know Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles and stuff and I was like, Why did you get him the captain america one because then it's like uncle jeff you should go get batman and then it's like dad she's like okay we can go change it and so i went back and switched out the jacket so now he has a batman jacket instead of captain america so if he grows up indoctrinated into the batman instead of captain america we know who's to blame well right now he doesn't know any better but when he has the right to choose his own fandoms he can (laughs) You say that now, but right until, up until he's really into something like manga. Yeah, I'm going to raise him to really love Gilmore Girls, so... I'm and pretty Buffy sure the he probably Slayer. will, but that won't be because of you. It'll be because of his mother, Taylor. <laughs> Don't say that with such disdain, Nick. <laughs> no. His mother. Your child was caught watching Gilmore Girls today. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> just wait till your father gets home. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we just saw a glimpse into the future, honestly. I think we may have, yeah. And to my defense, the only reason I chose the Captain America jacket over the Batman jacket to begin with is because I have a pin on my purse that is Captain America's shield, and Owen points to it and makes me label it for him repeatedly. So I thought, oh, he'll recognize this. But Nick has also been working on the recognizing Batman. Do you sing him the Captain America song? There's a Captain America song? You don't know the Captain America song? Oh my gosh. Is it dirty? 
Does it go, Captain America? He's the Captain of America. Almost. Almost. No, uh... No, I, I, it's like it's from like a '60s TV shows. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, <laughs> all those no. who chose to oppose him must yield. Although something Jeff, about stars and stripes and something about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll, yeah, dude. Anyway. I wonder if I wonder if Jeff even knows this song. Really? I think that he now needs a new ringtone. <laughs> yeah, he does. When Captain America <laughs> throws his mighty shield, yeah, it ends on a big, big. Sounds crescendo. pretty '60s. Good job, Brendan. I don't know. I, th- I think my version was better. It yeah. Sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> I think you should find where find the audio and put it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh, I already have the audio, and it, trust me, it's already sh- going at the end of this. I think Sweet. we should just um, have Brandon sing it and make that be the ringtone. Yeah, if only there was a way to record my voice. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have that technology. Oh, we someday. can rebuild him. Someday. We have the technology. This is the most random fandom I think that we have ever done. <laughs> uh, it, here's the thing, Clay. We we love this. We, we, we love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Obviously, Lena's read the book. Uh, I've enjoyed the movie Nick's can quote it word for word apparently uh taylor likes to poke fun at what we're saying so she likes it too that's because uh, jeff's not here well but here's the thing this random fandom is pretty much exactly like the book is completely random and, and hilarious. odd so you know okay, I, think, you I think this best served its purpose i think we did a great job <laughs> there you go we see we are just kind of giving you a taste of what it is without spoiling it for you it was all a plan we had it planned ahead of it time was script- scripted out and everything scripted out and everything but uh even so, the song by brandon yeah. and the song by me as well <laughs> yes yes uh so hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy uh dirk gently's holistic detective agency if you like kind of random and out of left field british humor check those out uh book mo- movie or tv show format Except for Dirk Gently. doesn't have a movie. But, uh, all right. Let's, <laughs> if you guys want to participate in the conversation, send us an email to random at fandompodcast.com. I cannot promise you that we will give it as much of a scripted out uh, experience as this one has been. But if you but if you want to send in your random fandoms, we will definitely talk about them. And, uh, and get... I'll, I'll I'll be honest. We'll probably end up revisiting this one at some point because because I I'm just all over the place tonight. But uh, random at fandompodcast.com or over to fandompodcast.com slash contact. Uh, we'd love to get some contact from you guys and hear your random fandoms. Okay, so let's jump over to the geek news. Amy Schumer is has just been announced to be the lead in the new Barbie movie. I mean, everything's getting a live action movie. Uh, even Battleship, the board game Battleship, got a live action movie. I think it's about time for Barbie to get a live yeah, action. Yeah, I feel like that's like the newest thing is just remaking all these Disney movies and to live action. The, I mean, I guess it's Barbie's time to shine. Well, and Barbie had like five hundred straight to VHS cartoon movies. It's about time they got a live action. Yeah, I mean, she they have that song, right? I'm a Barbie girl. I hope that's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if not, I'm totally not watching it. I think Amy Schumer will probably make sure that that song is in the movie, regardless I mean, of if they have the rights or not. Talking about solid ringtones, I mean that's one. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should suggest that to Jeff. I remember when this that song came out. I was in high school. Yeah, it was yeah. not a good thing. <laughs> no, I was in junior high. I remember it very clearly because let's just say I was a junior high boy, and yeah. <laughs> Do you like Barbie girls in a Barbie world? 
Because life in plastic is fantastic. I like to pretend like I knew what they were talking about. Because um, <laughs> junior high. But... So what I found what I found the most interesting about this is Amy Schumer is not your stereotypical Barbie doll actress, and she's going to be playing the lead. What do you guys think about that? I don't know a lot about Amy Schumer, but I definitely did not, I guess, peg her for a Barbie movie, mostly because it's geared toward children. Um, but I don't know. Reading is, the bar- this- is it going to be geared towards children? Well, it did say enchanted style mix of animation and live action which sees Schumer evicted from Barbie land for eccentricities, which, I mean, could be anything, I guess. But Well, she is a pretty naughty person. <laughs> I so. know. Well, so this, do you guys remember, what was that movie called? Life Size with a young Lindsay Lohan oh, yeah. and Tyra Banks, I believe. Wonder if, I do no. remember that I wonder one. if that's going to be similar to that, where she's like, in that movie, Tyra Banks plays the like ty- kind of like a Barbie doll type Barbie. and she comes to life. And it's got to be something similar because I mean, also the she realizes that perfection comes on the inside, not the outside. So I mean, sounds like a kid's moral boosting movie to me. Okay, so do you think she's going to be horrified that she is not the not the stereotypical Barbie doll at first, and then she's going to be like, you know what, this is okay. Sounds about right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. I can't. I can't right, imagine yeah. them to coming to other conclusions. <laughs> so I find it really interesting that here she is a super liberal woman in a Barbie movie because Barbie's kind of been the favorite go-to this is not feminist and what are you teaching our little girls attack for the liberals about Barbie so well I wonder if that's maybe part of it maybe she's taking the role to kind of mold it into something that she feels more appropriate I don't know if it's going to if you're going to do it let me do it right yeah is that what you're saying yeah maybe something like that like that's that's why she wants to have more of a hand in it okay very much could be the case I, I I wouldn't doubt it, and this is just liberal Hollywood brainwashing our kids again. That's that's I, I'm just waiting for the for the angry news stories about that. So our next news story is that Zelda Breath of the Wild, at the recent video game awards, won the most anticipated game of the year. Uh, do you guys think it's the most anticipated game of, like game of the year? Taylor, do you play video games um, at all? Like, is it something you're interested in? Not really. I don't. Re- I mean, I played video games a little bit when I was, you know, younger, but not. I don't know. I mean, I played Zelda when I was a kid, but I wouldn't say I'm up to date on video games or anticipating really any release of them. But if I were to give you three three video game titles and you were to, and you were to say, yeah, that's the one that I would probably most want to play that I that I I would want to come out. Red Dead Redemption Two. Mass Effect Andromeda and Zelda. You think you'd go with Zelda? Yeah, is that the... I'd probably because I, I think that's the only one I recognize. All right. Well, see, see, I wonder, I wonder if that's part of it because Zelda has such a mainstream appeal. Uh, Nick, you like the Mass Effect franchise, right? Oh my gosh, I love the Mass Effect franchise. Are you more and are you more excited about uh, Breath of the Wild or and or Andromeda? Definitely Andromeda. Even even um, with Breath of the Wild getting a open world game, kind of like Skyrim. I, I, uh, is it going to be on Xbox One? Uh, no, no, because it's going to be on Wii, and I don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's also, where I, it could be I on the Switch. To play too. I, I'll probably end up going over to my uh, brother-in-law, who is a Nintendo file, and playing it because he loves Zelda. I did not have a Super Nint- or a, a Nintendo sixty-four, so I never even played uh, Ocarina of Time, which is. What? Everyone's considered like the greatest game ever. I played part of it with my brother-in-law who had an, a Nintendo 64. Um, 
And so I, I never actually played completely through that game. And so really the only Zelda that I've played is the original and the Link to the Past. Other than that, pretty much like just five minutes here and there at other people's houses. Because I didn't have a GameCube, I didn't have a Nintendo 64, and um, I actually only had an, an original NES. And then I had to go over to my friend's house to play Super Nintendo. And then after that, um, I got a job and I saved up all my money and I bought a PS one so I could play final fantasy seven. And so like, I, yeah, I didn't have those. I didn't have one. Yeah. So did you ever feel like you were missing out? Um, yeah, of course I did. Cause a lot of people love that game and it's, and you know, it's widely considered one of the best ever, but at the same time, you know, you had final fantasy. I had final fantasy. <laughs> yeah. So I was happy. Okay. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, out of those three, I'll I'll watch the Mass Effect on YouTube, watch Let's Plays and stuff like that. I'll watch my brother play. But I am seriously considering buying a Nintendo Switch, the new console, once it comes out, so that I can play this game and so that my kids can play some of the original Nintendo uh, intellectual properties. Mario, I guess Mario's coming out next week on the on, on the iPhone, but still. Oh, that's still. cool. <clears throat> I, so here, we'll I make a, a deal. You can play Mass Effect on mine, or I can let you borrow it, and then you can let me come over and play it. At your house. You're not supposed to tell Lena you're getting Mass Effect. She's on the on the podcast. Oh, well, that's going to be in a while. <laughs> I've got like seven games like that I can play before then. Okay. All right. I guess that I guess that's fair. It's kind of mixed on the most anticipated most anticipated game, but it's a game. It's there. Uh I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I I'm going to play Red Dead Redemption too because that is a freaking awesome game too. So So you're just anti-Zelda. Is that is that what it no, is? No, it's just that I don't No, no. I, no I'm no. just not <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah blah blah. It's just blah. not my. It's we just not it. my fandom. <laughs> you heard it here, okay. guys. Right. Nick anti Zelda. Breaking news. No, uh, I love Zelda, just not as much sh- as I love sh- games sh- that I can play on the console that I own. Okay. All right. So speaking of other breaking news, there is on December 9th Barnes and Nobles all over the United States are going to be holding a Yule Ball. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, is that like obviously I know that it's the Yule Ball from Harry Potter, but obviously I also know that Barnes and Noble can't actually do that, and it's going to be a little bit different not being in Hogwarts uh, Hall versus inside of a retail place in a strip mall. Uh, well, this so. isn't the first time there's been a Yule Ball, but I wasn't aware that it was Barnes and Noble that had done it before. But I know previously it had been Harry Potter themed and was supposed to be similar to the one in the in the book. Okay, so they'll they'll have the Wicked Sisters and all, so all I, sorts I of I hope they fun. do. Theoretically, <laughs> yes. Uh, obviously, dressing up is encouraged. So, the only way that I'll go is if that I can get a um, movie correct full cosplay of Ronald Weasley's dress gowns. <laughs> you want the the ruffles and the frills yep. and everything? Absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking to myself, I would love some Durmstrang uh, style. Like Victor Crumbs. Oh yeah, like that weird fur thing he wears in the movies. I can't even describe it. He's got like a weird fur thing on one side, but the other side kind of looks like a Star Trek uniform. Yeah, he wears like some weird like fur poncho looking, uh, or like I don't even know if it's a scarf. It's weird. It's like a cape that's draped over <laughs> one shoulder. Very stylish. <laughs> well, even Hogwarts, they talk about having the dress robes, and so that's the dress robes for them. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's. But but you're right, Nick. It does not match up to 
Ronald Re- Ronald Weasley's ruffles in the front, frills on the shoulders, uh, curtain-looking fabric that I'm sure his his uh, his dad wore when he was a student there. Nothing could look as stylish as those dress robes. <laughs> it, it's vintage. It's coming back in style now. All right, uh, more more news that was it's kind of news. I I don't know. I th- it was big. It blew up all over the place. But I thought it was already assumed. Luke Cage <laughs> has been confirmed for season two. I just assumed that happened when they broke Netflix. <laughs> well, so. yeah. I mean, the, the, well, and that's why it, it's <laughs> under contract. It's been greenlit, but there's no dates attached to it because they're doing so many other things right now. Yeah, how are, how is it going to fit in the story and with the defenders and all that fun stuff? Uh, I, I'm excited to see how, how Sigourney Weaver's character is going to play into that. And are they going to do a Heroes for Hire with the mashup? Or are I want gonna, them to. Are we going to get uh, Iron Fist, Iron Fist. Yeah. into this? I think that'd be cool. So, Nick, basically by the time you're 50, they will have covered all of these things? <laughs> no, it won't be done by then. So- no, they, they got some more to add in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still waiting for season two of Jessica Jones. When When is that supposed to come out? Probably before season two of Luke Cage. I would hope so. Theoretically, I'm Team Jessica well, they Jones. Have, they have a pu- they have a Punisher series coming out. They have um, Iron Defenders, Fist coming out. Defenders, Daredevil. Uh, so and they do them every six months, like two a year. So now we're already a year out, right? Now we're th- a year and a half, and then maybe two years, three. <laughs> uh, those are all very secondary to my love for Jessica Jones. Also, a Gilmore Girls connection. She was in Gilmore Girls. Was she in Gilmore Absolutely. Girls? Oh. Um, not in the revival, but she was in uh, the final season. She would season always seven. talk about her boyfriend. Boyfriend! <laughs> <laughs> she never actually said the name. Well, okay, I never knew. I don't know if she ever actually says the name of her boyfriend. No. But she, she just, just calls, calls him boyfriend. boyfriend. It causes many, many problems. So if you're a big Jessica Jones fan... Eventually, according to the comics, eventually the Luke Cage and Jessica Jones storylines are going to merge fairly closely. So you may want to be paying more attention to Luke Cage. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want, I haven't seen any of Luke Cage, but I definitely want to. It's on my very long list of shows I need to watch on Netflix. But I just really like Jessica Jones. She's like a, like a, I don't know, a nice version of Veronica Mars. <laughs> Jessica Jones is nice. Like, well, I was trying to say something else, but then I realized I couldn't word it in a more appropriate way. Oh, So I tried okay. to filter myself. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if swearing was allowed on this podcast. We, we, try, we try not to. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate that. All right. Uh, Aquaman has been pushed back to 2018. It was supposed to come out in 2017, if I remember right. I'm not surprised because of all of the blockbusters that are coming out in 2017. You guys yeah. excited for Aquaman? underwater prince of atlantis king oh sorry he's king sorry <laughs> jeez get it Off right with in. your head so i watched um batman v superman again this week because it was on hbo or something, something like that i just turned it on while i was playing games and uh i think that was a cool part i didn't actually realize that he like shot like a torpedo through the water i didn't see that the first time i saw the movie so i thought it was pretty cool um i don't know I, the thing I always go back to is that the director was like, oh, I'm going to make it a horror movie. And I'm like, no, that's not a good idea. James Wan is known for his horror movies. He did the Saw stuff. I know. And so I don't want I don't want Aquaman to be a Saw movie. I mean, it's, I, I don't I know it's not going to be a Saw movie, but It'd be a really interesting take if it was it just suddenly <laughs> turns into Aquaman Saw. What's his name? Jigsaw or whatever the 
bad guy in that movie. <laughs> Let me put my mask but on. He puts the mask on, and it's like, I was him all along! <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I wouldn't put it past DC. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, next news story is that the power of the Dark Crystal is being adapted into a uh, comic book series. Power of the Dark Crystal is Dark Crystal 2. Uh, Lena, you're a huge fan of that, right? Huge fan. Huge. It's you're a huge, huge fan. fan. Nothing's huge, bigger. Not even, huge. Yeah, not even room for an H. Huge. Yes, I'm a big fan. So I actually heard this on the radio the other day that um, the Dark Crystal 2, which has been in, I guess, pre-production for a number of years, it just can't quite get a footing, couldn't quite ever make it into a movie, is now going to be made into a comic book series that I believe is going to be released in uh, 2017, the first uh the first of them, I guess. But um, they've been doing, and Nick's gotten for me the trilogy of, it's almost like a Dark Crystal origin stories, and they're illustrated novels, I guess. They look more like comic books. Graphic novels? uh, That's what the word I'm looking for, graphic novels. Um, But they're nice, big, hardback books, and so I'm really excited for this sort of continuation of the story, um, because what I've read of these original, like, origin story ones really sort of opens up those storylines, and I don't know if anybody else is as big of a fan of the Dark Crystal, but I love me some some Jim Henson, and I think this was just one of the better ones that he did. So I'm looking forward to the comic books in a way that I don't usually look forward to comic books because it's a story I'm very interested in. Fun note about Lena is she shares a birthday with Jim Henson. That I do. So, like, you you get part of his royalties because of that, right? Uh, yeah. They tell me that that's coming any day now. Well, one of the <laughs> coolest things was um, me and Lena, for her birthday, went to to Chicago and they had a big Jim Henson exhibit because of his birthday at the museum there. And so we got to go in and see all of these awesome things from Jim Henson, like some of his like notebooks and original puppets and early animations. And they had the dress of um, Kira. Kira. If anyone even knows who I'm talking about. Kira Norris from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. (laughs) She was fangirling. Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was pretty hardcore. I think we we spent like half of the time at the entire museum just in that exhibit, walking around. Nick was very very good to just let me walk around and look at everything and fawn over it and try not to drool over the really expensive old things. Very nice, very nice. So that's uh, that's the unused script that's going to be used to make that comic book series, right? Correct. So you get some additional story there. I know it's gonna be great. <laughs> This seems like it is the. It, it seems like it's the year for you, Lena, because I, I think with that, I think with that we have. And when I say year, I mean a year in the life of. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, nice segue, Brandon. See what you did there. Look at that segue, because I think that wraps up all of our news, and so we're going to jump into some main, some of our main discussion right now. And before, okay, I know there's a lot of you guys out there who are like, really, you're going to do Gilmore Girls? Stay and listen. Because that's it's kind of how I felt when Nick pitched the idea of, no, we should really do a Gilmore Girls episode. I was like, really? You want me to watch Gilmore Girls? I was like, oh, I, I, I guess. You know, I can sit down and watch it with my wife, I guess. that She'll, she'll be happy about that. Um, Does your wife watch? My wife likes it. She has watched most of the old series. Uh, she doesn't watch a ton of TV. So there's only really one TV show she watches. We watched some of it together. But when I said I have to watch all of these this weekend after the first uh, 45 minutes and she's like, I'm going to bed. She was like, you can watch the rest of these on your own. That is unfortunate. 
yeah, so I'll probably be watching these again with her throughout the next couple weeks. But this is it's actually kind of an interesting story and there are there's some interesting discussion that can take place that can be relevant to men as well as women. And there were some fun story uh, references in there that I think guys could get into. So before you stop the podcast, give it a chance. Give it a little bit of a chance and see what see what you think about it. So uh, we're going to start this out with how did I get it wrong? I've got a little bit of a synopsis of the of the, of the four episodes because they did this in four episodes. They named them after the seasons. They started out in winter, went to spring, and then summer, and then fall, which I found really interesting just that in and of itself because I was all ready and waiting to see the your stereotypical winter is your death and the spring is your renewal and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. I was I, w- I was looking to see if, if that lined up, and it didn't. So strike one on the literary symbolism for them right there. It'll come back around. Don't worry. It, it'll come back around. It will. It will. So from what I can tell about this, Gilmore Girls is in... So in this revival that they do, the Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, so we're picking up on the life of the Gilmore Girls about a decade after. So pretty much real time after the series ended. Seems like this... Seems to me like this story revolves around three main characters. You've got Rory, you have Lorelai, who is Rory's mother, and you have Emily, who is... Lorelai's mother. Those three are the Gilmore Girls, and it, it's all about their relationships, right there, or in this show, is kind of kind of what I'm seeing. How they interact with each other and how they interact with the world. And it really seemed to me like the first 15 minutes or so of the first episode was straight fan service, straight up. Like I have no idea what's going on. There's a guy standing there with a guitar. What is that pig doing running across the street? Uh, <laughs> Pedal. The pig was new to us too. Oh, okay, okay. No fan so, service there. Running into a grocery store and running into some Asian girl talking about somebody in uniform. Like it, I was just like, <laughs> I'm sure this means some something to somebody, but it means nothing to me right now. But the first 15 minutes were just like, hey, remember how much you love Stars Hollow and all of the people who live here? And because it just basically showed a bunch of people there. Stars Hollow is the name of the small town which they live in in Connecticut. Uh, the show is set in kind of there. It's actually all over the place, but that's like the main setting. So the first episode is is winter. So did I get that part right so far? Yeah, I think you did a pretty good job. Okay. Yeah, and right. I will even admit that that fan service during the first 15 minutes was a little much for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Okay. I, have, I have some complicated opinions about the revival. The first episode, which is winter, Rory shows up in Stars Hollow. There, It looks like she's building a name for herself as a journalist and having written an article for the New Yorker, for the New Yorker and everyone in Stars Hollow is really proud of her and she's working on a book with a crazy character who's played by Alex Kingston, who's which probably is fantastic. known as... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alex Kingston. We've talked about her a ton on this podcast about her role as River Song. Hello, sweetie. I I, I chuckled a little bit when uh, she stole the food from the doctor. <laughs> yes, because I was yes. like, that's something that River would have done. Uh, and I almost wonder if they were if they were playing that up a little bit. I definitely feel like her character in this revival was has got to be a good mix of River and what she's like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I I could see that. I could see that. Um but it's okay, so something we find out in episode 1 that I think you guys are probably going to not agree with me on is that Rory is a terrible terrible person. So she's stringing <laughs> along a guy just cuz she keeps forgetting to break up with him. Like she is horrible to uh Paul. I think yep. that's his name. He, he's forgetful. You forget? <laughs> the fact that you couldn't remember him as well. 
But you know what? I'm not dating him. <laughs> Thank heavens. But like, she forgot that he was coming to dinner. She forgot that he spent the night and was at the house <laughs> when she got up and left and went to Luke's diner. And then he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. And he's like, and, and she's like, oh, here's my food. And she forgets that he's in the bathroom. Yeah, literally seconds after he yeah. left. Oh no! I kind of forgot about him too in that scene. <laughs> but but it's like, wait a minute, wait. He's still. Maybe it's because I feel like I may have been that guy at some point in my life. <laughs> so, so you relate too opinion, much to that. My opinion on the whole Paul thing is, I think it was like a funny bit for like the first episode. Like, I think that would have been like a funny if it was just like, oh, you know, Rory's been is with this forgettable guy. I just didn't like that they like dragged it on to like the on whole, and on and the on. whole time where it was yeah. like, all right, this was funny the first couple times. And it was like, I don't, I thought it was kind of funny watching like Lorelai and Luke be like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then have him walk out of the room and be like, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, I mean, he was such a good, so Luke was like, my grandpa owned a hardware store and he had a favorite wrench. And so the next time he comes, he brings his grandpa's favorite wrench from his hardware store or something like that. I thought that. that was so funny when Luke's like, it's a nice wrench. It's a nice wrench. <laughs> I laughed so hard. But I mean, Paul tries so much and like, yeah, anyway, anyway, uh, but on he is of- such a minor part of this that oh, I know, I know, but- way okay. too much time on well, this Paul. Yeah, Rory is so flawed outside of Paul. I think Rory yeah, is a very well, flawed character, and I can agree okay. with that. Okay, all right, all right. So I, I, I was just unsure as to whether you guys loved Rory or not, because not only is she stringing along this Paul guy, but in this episode you also find out that she is having a relationship, a weirdly open relationship with some guy named Logan in England, who at this point (laughs) in the show, I'm like, I'm going to assume he's a regular character based off of some of the fan service stuff that they did. Just a quick backstory for you there, Brandon. Logan proposed to Rory when she graduated Yale. That, That adds a whole nother level. They dated for about three years in the in the last seasons. Okay, so I figured that they dated, but I didn't know that she. I didn't know that he proposed to her. Yeah, he proposed. She said no. He left. And so it was quite a revelation when you found them shacking it up. Yeah, I think the thing to understand about Rory's character too is that in the in the original run of the series, she was always a very perfect like. Rory never made mistakes and she was always like so smart and so she liked books more than she liked boys and like there was And if she ever wasn't those things, she really gave herself a hard time about yeah, it. And if, like she always made the right choice and she was very much built up by her mother and her grandparents always like talking about how smart and how great she was that for me, I really liked seeing her in the revival very much struggle and very much go through this like oh, I don't have it all together and I don't know what I'm doing with my yeah, career. More real. And I don't know what I'm doing with my personal life. Because I felt like in the original run of the series, you got to a point where you almost like, you hated Rory because she was so perfect. Like you just were like, <laughs> all right, when is Rory's perfect and she's going to make the right choice again, where it was nice to kind of come back and be like, no, she's still a person. And she makes some really questionable choices and she really doesn't know what she's doing right now. And so I, I don't know, I kind of liked that aspect of it where, I mean, I definitely don't agree with Rory's choices, all of them that she made in the revival. <laughs> to be honest, she would be, she would be very boring, a very boring character if she was perfect uh in this in these stories i think that's also why a lot of people really have mixed feelings about this revival too is because some people have this image of who rory is supposed to be and it's been built up over you know seven seasons and then when all of a sudden it didn't get all wrapped up into a perfect ball and her life was happily ever after that really bothered a lot of people and they were like wait wait this is not who i believe rory is and she became more real and 
sometimes when you burst people's bubbles, they don't like it. They don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) And they get very upset about it. So I I definitely see that. I, I like that point in that. But here's the thing. In this first episode, she felt like perfect Rory with the exception of playing with men. She felt like she's this up and coming journalist who is going to go live on the road and and fill, fulfill every twenty something year old's uh, fantasy of being Jack Kerouac and and just going from place to place without a house to tie her down to. I, it wasn't until she went to her grandma's house that I really started realizing, oh, things are not as perfect as they seem. And so I wonder if that because this is written by the same people or the same person who did the TV show. And so I wonder if some of this is uh, her saying, well, I was trying to say this in the TV show, but I had to stretch it out further so people didn't notice it. And so now that I've only got four episodes, I'm going to really condense this in here. Um, So it was more obvious. The ladies need to tell you the story about what happened with the writer. Of the fall of Rory Gilmore. (laughs) Well, the fall of... uh, Amy Sherman Palladino? Yeah, her. I mean, me and Lena have very different opinions about uh, season seven of the show. Okay. So what happened is that Amy Sherman Palladino, the creator and executive producer of the show, she um, was part of the show for the first six seasons, but in the seventh season, there were contract disputes, and so she ended up leaving the show, and so she didn't have anything to do with the last and final season, season seven. So I personally don't watch season seven to me it's not canon in my head i don't when i go back and rewatch the series i don't rewatch that season ever it's like the star wars yeah i have christmas special or something i have i have there i don't like a lot of the choices that i that the characters make in that season i feel it's very out of character i don't think the jokes are as funny i don't think the references are as witty and so to me i just kind of like and to me it didn't come from the original creator of the show so it doesn't make sense. See, and that's why I prefer episodes one, two, and three of Star Wars over episode seven, because those came from the creator of the sh- series. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Brandon. But Lena has different opinions about season seven, so. Well, and I I didn't love season seven. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be singing its praises anytime soon, but I definitely feel like they the new writers did what they could do with the story that had been set up for them. And at that point, I'm sure they knew they weren't going to get very much more time. And so they kind of had to pick a direction and go with it. So I can't, I can't argue that it was incredibly well thought out and exactly what I would have, what I would have wanted for the end of the series. But I definitely applaud the Paladinos for picking this back up and not ignoring what happened in season seven, even though they didn't write it. Yeah. And even though it's not where they wanted it to go. So I think one of the interesting points of this revival is a lot of things I feel like have been like being like, there's been a lot of revivals and a lot of like shows coming back and like, you know, things like Fuller House and, and what I think is different about Gilmore Girls is it has more of a purpose to me. Like, so Amy Sherman Palladino, the creator of the show, said early on back in, I think, like, season two of the show that she knew how she wanted to end, end the show all the way down to the final four words. And so for me to finally have, you know, Amy come back and do what was always her vision and to be able to see that was very, very important to me. And to be like, okay, finally... It was like this cathartic experience to be like, we're going to see what Amy always envisioned. We're going to get that ending that was supposed to be the ending. And I'm going to get to see these characters come back in the way that they're supposed to, where I felt like I never got that with season seven. Knowing that now, I really would have enjoyed so much more the story if those final four words had been in season seven instead of 10 years later. 
Yeah, well, it's, Amy has even said that too. That she in she anticipated those four final four words to be when Rory was just out of college, you know, twenty two, twenty three, and that changes. That's an entirely different ending than when she's thirty two, thirty three. Like, yeah, and I it's something completely. I, different. I honestly can't decide what one I would prefer because I've heard differing opinions where some people have said to me like they think it's better that it happens when she's thirty two, whereas if it would have happened earlier on, maybe it would have been a little more tragic, like. Oh, well, well, see, that's 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 the thing, though, because okay, so this is I think you guys just blew my mind right there is what I'm saying, <laughs> um, because so there's a in poetry, there is something called a chiasmus where you start out at one place and then you have a bunch of movement and growth and change. And then at the end, it gets back to the exactly where it started. Full freaking and circle, so, as Lorelai says. At the end of season winter. winter full yeah. freaking circle. Yep. Uh, because I did not feel like it was full freaking circle when she's 32 and she's pregnant and to be honest she doesn't know whose baby it is i mean is yes she does i know she does lena has a a very very specific timeline that she has worked out it's definitely logan's i think it's definitely the wookie it's (laughs) me and lena did the time for that last week we decided it couldn't be definitely logan's i wanted to be the wookie i want the nerd to have the (laughs) you keep believing it Okay, no. So here's the thing: not just not just full circle, but I mean, yeah, we her dad was kind of there, but really not. And so I don't know. Okay, well, okay, Rory's so he, dad was not there. Well, in, so in, in in the revival, he was he he showed. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he had about a four minute scene. But I'd say that so, that's a pretty accurate portrayal of how much he was involved in you know the full the series. series. So, well. if it, so if it's Logan, if it's Logan and. Uh, Logan obviously cares for her a lot. Uh, no, based obviously. Off, Just not off enough of to leave his heiress of a girlfriend. Well, I mean, conventions and dynasties and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, but he obviously cares for her. And so he, and so if he found out that he had a child with her, I think he'd drop everything. I think he would do the right thing. Uh, maybe, maybe hidden. Well, do semi the right thing because nobody in this show does the right thing. Um, <laughs> Not exactly. But do, but do. I don't know. But do something. Depends good. on your definition. Yeah, of come right. on, guys. Emily's story was pretty great. Oh, uh, it was pretty great. So I, especially after re- when rewatching it, I appreciate her conversation with her dad because it's her actually trying to decide if it's in Logan's best interest to tell him about the baby because she's asking her dad. Oh, that's true. Was it okay? So that's not a full freaking circle. That's kind of, that's kind of U-shaped. Because, I mean, even Christopher brings, even he talks about it too, saying that it was me. Like, she didn't push me away, but at the same time, she wasn't welcoming me either. And you know that that would be different in this situation. Maybe not necessarily 100% different, but you know Logan would want to be involved and try to be involved, even if it wasn't you know, drop everything and be with Rory now. You could see Rory like actually working this out, trying to decide like, what do I want? What's best for me? What's best for Logan? She wasn't just going to spring it on him and risk ruining his everything because of a mistake. I think it was definitely supposed to be that parallel of how Lorelai, when she got pregnant when she was 16 with Rory, she made that decision that just because I'm pregnant doesn't mean I need to marry Christopher and be with Christopher, right. and I can still start my own life and build upon that, where Rory was also, I think it was also her questioning herself being like, just because I'm pregnant with Logan's baby, that doesn't mean I need to be with Logan. With Logan, That doesn't mean yeah. that's the right thing. And not to make a 32-year-old sound like a spinster, but at 32 and pregnant, 
that's completely different than being 16 and pregnant. She has already had a decade of real world experience where she has now at the end of this year in a life has completely changed what she was going to do and what she had been doing for the last decade. And so it feels like just like a second beginning. Well, yeah, and yeah, less I mean, of she, a, she has been traveling. She jumping back and forth from London to New York to Connecticut. And she's been, she, you know what? She has had kind of a fun twenties. Yeah. Like people, she, she's not going to be Lorelai where she, where she loves her daughter, obviously, but kind of missed out on that party yeah. time. Well, and I think exactly. there's something to be said about is, is that the story they were maybe trying to tell is that Rory got to have the, 20s or the life that Lorelai never did. Lorelai did That she got yeah. to go out and have that career and live that way and then now that she is going to have this baby that maybe that was something to be said. I don't know if there was that like where it's going to be a parallel story but it's also going to be a little bit different to say but Rory was allowed to you know live out a different kind of life that maybe Lorelai didn't have. You know, it'd be really interesting. So we have, we haven't talked about her. I'm sure there's a bunch of guys who, who won't get this reference yet. We'll, but we'll explain it. It would be really interesting if, uh, Rory went to Logan and said, Hey, this is your baby. Logan actually does the right thing and calls off the wedding with Odette, which we haven't announced. Not, not only is he, not only is he, uh, sleeping with Rory but and Rory's sleep and Rory's cheating on Paul he's cheating on his fiance yeah with Rory which just is like a whole nother level of you guys are terrible Jeez. you guys make terrible decisions do not let don't make decisions together um, milk was a bad choice <laughs> but uh so so is if he comes in if he comes back in the picture and they end up together then all of the sudden she becomes she and he are both super affluent and she's raising her daughter in a super affluent household, which is she's like... She's back where Lorelai was which when is she was where growing Lorelei up. Which is where Lorelai was. Exactly, because Lorelai's mother, Emily, it married a very rich man, and Lorelai grew up in the lap of luxury. Now, granted, there were relationship issues, but she, she oh, wasn't yeah. wanting for anything material. I think that there... You know, so the second part of episode one was all about who Emily was and who is she now without Richard because the actor who played her husband passed away in this past decade. And I... In 2014, passed away in the last two years. So just, yeah, so just a few years ago. So I I thought that they did it very tastefully by, you know, kind of giving him a tribute in that first episode. And, you know... I I thought the whole series was really a tribute... Him yeah, because there was there was not there was not a you know a time that didn't they didn't that wasn't h- hanging over like the entire yeah, story did, arc. They I did think. very well to acknowledge that, and I I loved that they used it as kind of a catalyst for the story for it to make all three women you know cope and deal with it in a different way, and that you saw the effects of you know Richard's absence in their lives and how they all chose to deal with it and how it kind of like next thing it seeped into almost every scene. Where that was very yeah, evident, yeah. and that you know that drove very much of each of their stories, and I mean well, uh, mostly Emily's, but see, and this is this is part of why I think Gilmore Girls was actually so popular because you have something that like a grandparent could watch and be like, you know what, I I'm not exactly sh- I I'm not exactly like that grandma, but I understand her motivations. You can have a mother be like, I'm not exactly like that mother, but I understand her motivations. You can have a kid be like, you know what, I'm not perfect like that daughter, but I understand her motivations. So I think that's part of the appeal of this show is that you have all of these different storylines. I was I was thinking about it and you actually have caricatures going on throughout this. When the story is being told from Emily's perspective, you see 
you see Lorelai is kind of like this flippant, ungrateful child. I've given you everything and you don't ever, and you don't ever care that I gave it to you. You, I, I just can't do enough for you. And so that's when it's from Emily's perspective. When it's from Lorelai's perspective, you've got this mother who just demands so much from you and doesn't understand you. And you've got this daughter who is just this great daughter and you are so proud of her. When it is from when it is from Rory's perspective, you've got the grandma who, you know, she's a little kooky, but she's she's perfectly fine. Mom, I don't understand why you have such a hard time with her with grandma. You've got a mom who uh, who is a li- who just doesn't get it. Like she gets it, but she doesn't get it. And then my and then Rory's personal life, my life is, you know, is just falling apart. Things are so stressful like I I've got this facade of I'm this great journalist, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And as they showed it from those different perspectives, I could totally see where things, where p- different people would appreciate the scenes. Like when Lorelai wakes up uh, in the first episode because there's she's having a nightmare and then she hears some weird noise coming from the downstairs and she goes downstairs and Rory is stressed tap dancing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You heard that, that right. Felt like stress. out of out of nowhere, <laughs> stress tap dancing. Yes, and you know she that was Rory became the caricature of millennials. Where okay, Lorelai's generation doesn't get it, but she's going to play along, and you know what, it's crazy, but you know what, whatever works for them. And you know she she tried all the different things, and she find, found this stress tap dancing. It's stupid, but okay, if that if that's what gets you through it, that's what gets you through it. Um, and then yeah, I. I think that they, I think that these characters are able to. I, I, I don't think I'm putting this da- into words well enough, but you know, you really get a serious from Emily. You really get the serious getting over grief story from uh, from Lorelai. You get the I've been a mother my life, my entire life. I don't know what I want with my life. What am I doing? You, it's a self discovery story from the psychiatrist to going on the wild hike. So I have a very love-hate relationship with Gilmore Girls. And it's because when I was introduced to this series, it was Lena binge-watching it. Consistently. Right? Consistently, all the time. Okay, <laughs> so, so I didn't start from the beginning and see this journey that, you know, Lorelai is going on and I didn't see this journey that Rory, you know, coming from this young girl, you know, graduating from school and then, you know, I like I would catch stuff here and there. And being an outside viewer... And only listening to the show, it just sounded like everyone was arguing all the time. And that is, it is true. The show is a lot of arguments, right? So, like, the mother is always arguing with Lorelai, and Lorelai is always, you know, angry at Emily. And then Rory is angry at Grandma because Grandma said something about Lorelai. And then Luke is upset because this happened. And then the dad is upset because nobody will listen to him, and he's the patriarch. And so it just sounded like yelling all the time. And it just made me so anxious all and not the time. just yelling, was, but fast yelling. Yeah, yes, and, it, and it's yelling. very, very, very talkative. And so, like, it got to the point where Lorelai's voice literally gave me anxiety just hearing it. Because <laughs> that is what I would associate Gilmore Girls, or her voice with, was just fighting all the time. And so, you know, over time and over time, I mean, it's constantly, it's, it's constantly on. Lena will probably watch it two two times a year, like the whole series, you know, and it'll just be like, Which is oh, pretty I much watched. nothing when you consider yeah. how many days in the year they are. <laughs> no, and I, I totally get it. But the thing is, is like over time, like, you know, I'd sit down and I'd watch an episode and I'd be like, 
okay, I kind of get what's going on because I can associate it with this that I've seen or this that I've seen. And over the course of our marriage, I have pretty much seen the entire series. Like I've watched every episode um, until recently Lena started watching it again. And I realized I hadn't seen like any of the first or second season because she doesn't like those ones very much. And she usually skips over them, which was really odd to me. I was like, and wait, yet she watches the seven. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Sure. She's very but, weird. Okay. So because so I'm finish- team Logan. It is. It's because she's Team Logan and he doesn't show up till later. And she's still Team Logan after the revival, so I mean... Why, how can you be Team Logan after the revival? Right? Because I right? wanted to be with Logan. Well, let me finish my thing so that I don't <laughs> just sound like I'm angry at Gilmore Girls. So as I learned, as I learned more about the characters and I learned you know, motivations and stuff, it started making much more sense to me. And, and when I sat down to watch the revival with Lena, I mean, it was a very big deal. And so I was like, Lena, I'm going to watch it with you. I really want to watch it with you. You know, I want to be here. I want to be a part of it because I know it's a big deal. You want to watch me cry while we watch (laughs) it. No, but here's the thing. Because I know these characters and I've heard about them and I've talked about them, I cried multiple times during this show because I have, I mean, even these characters, because they're so well-rounded and they're so interesting and their relationships are written so well and it's very intriguing between them, like... I've grown to love these characters, even if I don't love the bickering and the arguing. But the reason I loved, loved, loved this revival is that I was able to get closure on a lot of it. Because Emily, who was probably my least favorite character, because she was just always so angry and manipulative and stuff, I saw her grow in these four episodes. And her, her performance, the the actress's performance, I don't know her name. Kelly Bishop. Kelly Bishop. Her performance was the best part of this show. She was great. Oh, she was I, awesome. I think that her story was the most interesting by far. And seeing her g- kind of come to grips and, like, manipulate Lorelai into, you know... I mean, she's she's a master manipulator. Like, she just knows what to do to push everyone's buttons so that she can get what she wants. And she's done that since day one. But, and, and she, you know, quote unquote, does it for a good reason, right? But that just bothers Lorelai like crazy. And then they end up going to therapy together and then they get angry at each other and yell and blah, 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 and whatever. But, but seeing that whole, you know, story arc and it actually come to some closure at the end when they finally, you know, and sadly enough, the death of their father and husband is what has to bring them together in the end. And that, you know, Emily really does want what's best for Lorelai. And so she tries to help her, you know, in the best way that she can. And they finally come to this, like, you know, equal measure at the end. Like, that gave me so much closure that I was like, okay, now I'm not as upset about it being angry all the time. No, like, I'm serious. No, I totally agree. Because that's what, it's all the things that you always thought would happen during the series. You always, you'd have these conversations that you'd, you'd watch them be talking about something very important and very deep. And Emily would be, you know, right on the verge. And then Lorelai would open up about something. And Emily would just look at her and you could just see the facade drop. Like, well, that's nice. And then walk away and be like, you don't, how, how is it that after this many years, you still don't know how to talk to your daughter? You still don't know how to just open up and be okay with this. And so that is exactly what happened in the revival. That is exactly what she was able to do. And it it's not necessarily because of Richard's death, but it definitely- The catalyst for sure. Like you said, it was a catalyst for, yeah. for her moving on. Because I, I mean, to see the- 
the beloved maid, which I love that everybody calls her that because they there's an episode where they talk about how she's never loved a maid and that she can only come up with one maid in like two decades that she's ever loved. And so to have this one, not only not being able to understand her language, but to love her and to have her whole family show up, extended family, kids, just show up in the house and just be there all the time and have him have her not freak out and to welcome them. It was a complete well, I, 180. I think I think that a little bit of that also was the fact that she was she didn't know what to do with herself. She was grieving so much that she didn't know how to deal with anything else in her life. And yes. so because and it probably helped that she didn't understand the maid's language because yeah. it was just like, uh-huh, sure, do that. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know she's she's talking to her and says, "I, oh, you know what, you're gonna love my family. Can they all move in?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." You know, like <laughs> like that whole scene. But did you know that the actress that plays the maid is a main actress in the show? Yes. Who is it? A gypsy. 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 That's right. And it's just kind of crazy. Like the I didn't even notice who, that. Yeah, gypsy. Yeah, it's the same character. Yeah, Gilmore Girls. They like to reuse their actors. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. But yeah, but, you know what I. Oh. It's kind of funny. I uh, watch I watch most of my shows that I'm binging at like two times speed. I've got a plug-in on my Netflix, uh, on my Chrome, that speeds things up to two times speed. This is a show that I was like, okay, 1.2, yeah. 1.3. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah, you can. I, I didn't say anything during that part because you guys were spot on. I completely agree. There was growth. There was... There was how do we deal with this? And it was a all three of these women, all three of the Gilmore girls. It was a who am I story. This I could see the closure on this, like you said, but I didn't have the full seven seasons of build up for it. But I could see the closure on on fi- on finding who I am. And it's funny because I know I'm supposed to relate to Rory because I she's exactly our age. Yeah, I, I'm I'm her same age. But I am nothing like Rory. I did not go out and get a degree in in a field that you can't make money in unless you are extremely lucky anymore. Uh, you know, because Rory's a journalist major. You know what? I'm sorry. With journalist majors, you have to be, you have to be something special nowadays to make any money doing that. And I, I, but you know what? I've got kids, and so I I related a lot with Lorelai in this one. You know. Because I That's want you know you're to be their old. friend. Yeah, I'm getting old because I don't relate with the young person anymore. But I want to be my kids' friends. But I also want to be the grown up. I really liked it. Uh, the the growth that she had and her finding out who she was. Story, you know, Rory's was okay. It was interesting. Lorelai's pulled at my heartstrings, and I think it might have been Luke as well. I love Luke. definitely Luke. He's, oh, Luke was so great in the revival. Well, and I think. Honestly, in my opinion, I think Rory's story is a lot more, it's left a lot more open. And she honestly doesn't go through an arc, like, as much as Emily. Like, Like, it's very clear with Emily, and it's pretty clear with Lorelai. And Rory, it's just very much, like, this, like, up and down and this, like, where... She doesn't really leave any different than she came. Yeah, she doesn't. If if anything, she just leaves in a more confusing and more, like, all right, well, now I... Yeah, now I need to figure out this thing that's going on where it that that leads me to wonder like that's where the question comes like are they going to make more are they going to come back with you You know know, i i i read that they that they might that they are looking into it but they also had a hard time uh getting a lot of the people to come back for it exactly and i don't think if they were to continue on they obviously did a lot of lip service to the fans with these with having the entire town back but now that they've done that 
you don't necessarily need it anymore. They could leave out about half of the townies, give us a closing end with Lane, or at least a little bit more story with Lane and Zack, and a little bit more with Rory. And then you could even have Lorelei and Luke sort of in the background. They've had their, they have their story and it's set and I like it and I'm happy with it. And I don't want there to be more conflict just because there's more episodes. They can just be there. But if they do more, I don't want them to try and pack it full of everything just because those same people were in the episodes before. Yeah. And I think it'd be an interesting dynamic to see more of um, Lorelai and Luke as grandparents and watch them help Rory now that she's, you know, maybe being a single parent and watch and like help her through that journey. And that's where their, that's where their storyline comes from is their interactions more with Rory now. But I don't, I don't know. It's a complicated question. If I, I can't decide if I want more or if I, if if I'm fine with, with where they left, with the way it is and to be left open to kind of fill in the blanks for myself. I am a little worried that if it comes back, that Sherman Palladino won't do it. And then we're left with a season seven situation again, and we risk it being worse after they leave. See the the way that these story threads all tie together, they're not just they're not they're not running parallel to each other. They weave in and out of each other so complicated. It creates this you know, even so here here's a guy I that I've only seen four episodes of this. And granted they were like four episodes each because of the longer Time format. Frame. But they weave in and out and they make this complicated design. And that's what that's what uh, Sherman Palladino, she was able to to do was to weave that design. And you give that to somebody else and they might say, I really liked this thread with 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 Lorelai and they're going to focus on that thread. And then all of a sudden, the bigger picture doesn't look as good. And so I, th- I think you're right. I don't think anybody else could do it you know, because of the complexity of the story. Because that's what I really enjoyed as I started watching this was to see how all of these stories wove in and out of each other and how decisions that one made affected the other and not in the straight up cause and effect, but well, this is going to make her feel like this. And because she's feeling like this, she's going to say this, which is going to make this person feel like that. And I, you know, I, I really enjoyed seeing just how it all fit together. And I thought they did a great job of showing Rory. So, you know, we so far we've pretty much only talked about the first episode in what ha- what actually happened. And then we jumped into discussion about the rest of it. Second episode, Rory starts to realize, oh, there's, you know, I'm actually, everything's falling apart. And that's when she starts to, to you know, realize I don't actually... I, I don't actually know what I'm doing. She goes, they go to Shilton. Is that their, that's their high school, right? Shilton. Shilton. Yeah. That's their and, school. And you, you meet again, her friend Paris, who I'm assuming she was a character in. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> did you, did you love Paris See, or did you hate her? You know what? Nick did not like Paris in the original series, but I, I, th- I don't know how you could not love Paris in the revival. I really liked Paris in the revival. I don't know how the you second- can't love Paris in general forever <laughs> and always. Okay, so so I think the second episode with Paris opened my eyes up to be like, okay, this is how the original series was because there were a so there were a lot of books referenced into this, but I feel like the original series probably had a lot more literature woven in and out of it. Am, Correct. Am I right there? Okay, because my favorite line from the second episode is when Paris walks onto the campus and she quotes Ralph Waldo Emerson and says, mm-hmm. "I cannot remember the books I've read any more than the meals I have eaten. Even so, they have made me." Yes. And I, and I was like, "Okay, almost this almost is- brings tears to the eyes." <laughs> I was like, "I know that quote, and that's not something that 
that she did, which means, and she wasn't like trying to be like, look how smart I am by saying this. She was just like throwing it out there. I'm like, just she's quoting Emerson <laughs> and she's not referencing Emerson, which, and, and Rory's not like, oh, quoting Emerson, which means she's used to Paris quoting Emerson. <laughs> Well, and they don't use as many like direct liter- um, literary quotes like that in the show, but they do more of that name dropping with you know authors or, or musicians or something like that to not necessarily show that they know what they're talking about, but to kind of I think it, it simultaneously grounded the show in its time frame, but also showed that it extended past that by referencing more than just current pop culture. No, I I definitely think it does. Gilmore Girls is like famous for its references. And I think that's something that they do very well is like reference like really something that's so old and then something that's so new. And they do it in a way where I feel like they don't, they, they talk to the audience as if they're smart and where it's nice if you get the reference and if not, it's okay too. Yeah, like like that quote meant something. Like it's like, oh, this this place is a place that built her, is what she's saying. And uh, you know, I I agree with you. This it makes it timeless. When you reference literary classics, you create a timeless show. Whereas if you are referencing the latest pop culture trend, not so much. I mean, even the pop culture tre- uh, references that they make in the, and this episode they make a couple. This is where they where where the Wookiee comes into play because Rory's, yes. Rory's grasping at straws to make her career happen and is trying to do a piece on lines where she's like she doesn't care about the story at all, but she's interviewing people and ends up standing in line to a collectible shop with a guy in a Wookiee cosplay and then ends up having a one night stand. With and so yeah, they make a Star Wars reference. But Dude, that's like different. every nerd's dream, right? <laughs> Hanging out in a line, and then some girls like, "Hey, hey, you want to go to a hotel? Sure, why not?" <laughs> so, so I would, li- I would, I would like to point out though that this, she had a one night stand with a Wookiee while stringing along Paul and while having an affair <laughs> with Logan. With Logan, and, so and Lena is still Team Logan. I'd like to point that out again as well. Still Team Logan. Lena obviously has no moral compass. Draw your own conclusions about her morality. Absolutely no morals. You do have to realize that there was actually a shirtless scene with Logan, which actually just helped the cause. It's true. Did not hurt anything. I don't know. I'm strictly Team Jess, and I stand by that. Well, what happened was I saw that scene, and I was like, oh, now I get it, because I look exactly like him with my shirt on. (laughs) Oh, is that what it is? Is that what it is? The dots, they're connecting. And I said nothing when he said that. <laughs> As you should have. <laughs> so, but you know, so so in the spring episode, you know what you could have you could have named this episode? We live in a bubble. Yeah. Because their problems are so first world white privilege first world problems. Uh, I mean, she's complaining about how she's broke and then you turn around and she's in this like four-star hotel. Yeah, uh, she's complaining that she's broke, and then she goes and flies out to London. The, the assumption was that you assume Logan's paying for that. Me and Lena discussed this yes. as well because we <laughs> yeah. had the same questions. I was like, "Where is she getting this money?" And we're like, "Well, I guess you know, if Logan's probably flying. He's he's well off. That we assume he's flying her back and forth because you got to take care of your mistress. I don't know if that makes this mistress situation better or worse." <laughs> but one thing I do have to point out that I that I didn't really think too much about while watching it the first time, but after discussing it, this piece on lines that she doesn't believe in, but is still doing, and missed the most important portion of this. Oh, her mother. Her mother was no, a, a ma- what? Not even that. She walks past a group of people in line for nothing 
and then is just like, ha ha, funny on them, and then leaves. These are the people you're supposed to talk to. Why are they in line? Obviously, people line up for things they know about, like donuts and t- like and shoes. tennis shoes and action figures. But but these people don't literally don't know why they're in line. There's your story, Rory Gilmore, worst worst journalist ever. That's who you're supposed to be talking to. And actually, she the in uh, the controversial. Um, leaving Yale episodes when Mitchum tells her you don't got it he doesn't have anything he's not talking about anything to do with her writing because he nothing he has no, no interactions with her writing but he still knows that she's a crap journalist well and that's where it's like you you start to question where you're like uh, is Rory perfect is or are Rory her grandparents this? just really yeah, doting? Exactly. Is this really the child prodigy we've been hearing about? Or I think she's just like so privileged. Yeah, that, exactly. That she got everything that she wanted. Which I think is why the revival is like such a like thank you for finally acknowledging that Rory <laughs> is not perfect. That she is brought it full circle. Yeah, it's like, and thanks. I think that I don't have as many problems with the infidelity issues, <laughs> especially with Rory, because we've been here before. She cheated with Dean. See, and I while think, he was married, but I think that that's and so I much more like, well done. Well, no, okay, so fine, handled differently, whatever. She was still a teenager, technically sleeping with a married man, and obviously it's part of her personality that she can't get over. Yeah. So, so, but my question, so I have, I have something interesting to bring yeah, she up. She definitely can't get over people, right? <laughs> well, in in uh, with Dean, like except for Paul, she can get over Paul. Who? <laughs> When Rory cheats with Dean and she has the conversation with Lorelai about it, Lorelai is like very much, what have you done? Uh, he's married. This is, this is crazy. You were wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. You, I've raised you better. He's married. What are you doing? Again, see, it, yeah, she says that quite a few times. Yes, is he is married? Like, he's married. Well, then that's all you need to know that this is wrong because he's married. But then with Logan, she like finds out about Logan. She's like, she like makes a joke and she's like, uh-huh, well, I mean, you slept with a Wookiee, so I guess you sleeping with a married man is more slutty. Ha <laughs> ha. And that's it. Yeah. She's like, well, is it, is he still with that that other, yeah. you know? She's like, well, yes. She's like, oh, oh, okay. I have opinions about that, actually, because as a grown married man who I used to do things that my dad hated all the time, and my dad would, would throw that, I've raised you better than this. You are smarter than that. You should not be doing this. You know, my dad did not like a lot of my choices in high school. I'll just say that. I don't think I can think of a single thing your dad would have not liked that you did right? in high school. Did I just right? not that was, know that? That? Was, that was my argument. I was pretty straight-laced. <laughs> did I just not know you well enough, I guess? No, no. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there and let my friends wonder. <laughs> my dad did not like my group of friends. Oh, pff, I resemble that remark. Lena's kind of a bad influence. I'm just going to assume this yeah. is you trying to be nice, but you're really talking about Lena. Yeah, yep, yep. That's exactly what it is. Hey, I um, knew Brandon's mom, but I did not know his dad. <laughs> so my, my dad thought that I got stupid when I was with my friends. And you know what? I did. I did. I, but I was also in high school. So, so I got stupid. And my dad would constantly lecture me on that and be like, you shouldn't be doing this. Now, granted, being stupid is not the worst thing in the world. But my dad, to my dad, he was like really upset about it. Now that I'm a grown-up, and now that I am making my own decisions, like my dad, it took us a while to get here, but my dad, when I make a stupid decision, he'll tell me, well, that's a stupid decision, but he doesn't sit there and lecture me on it because I'm a grown up, and he's he, he wants me to make the right decisions, but ultimately, in this point in my life, if I make a decision, he has to respect that, and that's what he's told me. 
And so, I mean, it's taken us lots of years for him to get to the point where we can have a discussion instead of him lecturing me. Part of the Lorelai and Rory dynamic throughout the show is that they are best friends as well as mother and daughter. So they can have that. And so I feel like even as a friend, you would be like, hmm, this sounds like a not the greatest situation to be in. Like, <laughs> I'm concerned about you sleeping with this married man and, you know, stringing along Peter or Paul or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a let's not kick a dog while they're down kind of a thing. And it also might be a bit of self-preservation because Lorelai has priors. I mean, she knows that when she does something or says something that Rory doesn't agree with, there can be consequences. And so this might just be her being like, okay, we've covered this. We know. Okay, good. Move on. Like, I've said my piece. You know. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. I, I'm interested. Brandon, how did you feel about, like, the, the Luke and Lorelai dynamic? Did you did you enjoy their kind of story and their, like, talking about having kids and kind of trying to f- figuring out their relationship? Did you enjoy watching them? You know, uh, I, that, that one I did not relate with. I enjoyed it. I liked Luke. Every time he was there, one of my favorite things about the entire series was the Wi-Fi password <laughs> yes. in the cafe. So funny. The diner. <laughs> really I, it great. was just hilarious. That he, I mean, he, here's this Mr. Anti-Technology, and he makes up these funny, hilarious passwords that he gives to everybody that just are wrong. And, uh, and then when they get the right anyway, one. Yeah, when they get the right one, he freaks out. But I... I, I, the, the having a child part, I was like, okay, I get this. This is them finding out who they are. But the, at the very end, in the last episode, when Lorelai goes out to do wild and she comes back and he is just like, look, I don't, you, you needed space, but you know what? Don't, don't say what you're going to say because here's the thing we were meant to be. And does, does this whole spiel about how I will do whatever I need to do to keep you. Which is incredibly wonderful for us as fans because that's what he didn't do in past seasons. Okay. Yeah, and I I loved seeing that. I was like, Luke, I like you. Uh, I liked how when he felt a little bit of out of place or awkward, he went and started fixing stuff. (laughs) Um, Like at the funeral? I thought that was so At the funeral. (laughs) So Thanksgiving, I was at my in-law's house. It was was crowded. It was crazy. I'm like, you know what? I, I... I, I don't know where my place is in here, and so I'm going to step out from it. I went and hung the Christmas lights on my <laughs> on my in-laws' house nice. because I was like, okay, I got to step. I, I'm, I've just got to go do something for a little bit. So you related and to Luke? I I completely understood Luke. So uh, I I no, I really I really liked yeah, that. I liked I that really monologue. Liked at, I liked that monologue at the end and. Uh, me and my younger sister were talking about it, and she's like, when I first watched it, I rewinded it three times to rewatch Luke and <laughs> professing his love for Lorelai. She's like, because it was just like, finally, finally, this is something that we all wanted. And she's like, and I just loved it. She's like, that's the part that made me cry. And I think that they set up that, I guess, that this being unique pretty well, because besides the diehard fans that know that we've been waiting seasons and seasons for Luke to just say out loud how much he really wanted Lorelai, but earlier when you when they talk about having kids and he says well i brought it up with you and you you didn't say anything and and all he said was see that's the kid (laughs) and that was him bringing up that he might want to have kids someday that was so luke what and so like you get this impression even i'm i'm hope that brandon even got it not having watched the rest of the show you got this impression that luke is a man of few words he doesn't always (laughs) express himself beautifully so to have that ending that ending scene where he just is like, 
no, like you don't get to decide this. We're going, this is going to happen because we had to fight for each other. And this is why it's important was just like, yes, thank you. Finally. (laughs) If Luke had been a man of many words, he would have proposed by now. And so I completely, yeah, I I got that. I got that. I saw that. And I was, I was really happy for that relationship because it it needed to happen. They, they were, they are so great together and they were like afraid of something. And so the fact that they were like, okay, you know what, here it is, but let's be serious about this. I liked that. I liked, I I liked that coming. uh, It was basically a coming of age story. It was middle aged. There's a lot of people who probably related to that who are, you know, who've been divorced and are dating again. I, I I liked the way that they did that. Uh, You know, I, I think that probably the, the, the one thing that I didn't necessarily love was the was was the random random way like the all the prep for the wedding like to me it felt like that was just a whole way to get Suki back in uh, yeah she definitely needed to be in the revival Ex- explain to me what you mean though do you mean like the weird scene where they all just like wandered around and the flowers and like what what are you talking about prep for the wedding so 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 the preparation and like okay so the scene where they're getting tailored and I don't know maybe. This, uh, I, I, it's really hard to it's really hard for me to pin down. I just felt like I was so bored during that part of between when he proposed said we're getting married and then they went and did their eloping thing. I guess they were trying to explain why they actually went and eloped. But you know what? It's Luke and Lorelai. I just a little bit that I knew of them. They don't need a reason to go and elope. That was so Luke and Lorelai that it, it shouldn't have surprised anybody. Dude. And for a show that had dubious time control at the at the least, it's like, okay, how come you can't just jump forward a couple months and just let us assume and just tell us, oh, it's been a very hectic few months? It just felt really like, oh, I th- okay, you showed me way yeah, too much I of the prep. I think their timing, like in all of the episodes and like their editing, is a little weird. It was always a little strange. It's always it's definitely a little, and I think it it comes with I or I I guess I wonder if it comes with the Netflix thing being not held down to such constraints of editing of being like you have to come in at this certain amount. You you know we have to have act breaks for commercials. We have to have this where it was kind of left more free and open for them to like I don't sort of move around and maybe that that was something bad so the editing was something that confused me like i not just on this wedding thing where i was bored but like okay so in the last episode i okay this is going to need some explanation for me um so we'll gloss over the fact that rory becomes the editor eats her humble pie becomes the editor of the stars hollow gazette um she's accepting her life as a as a washed out journalist, basically trying in to figure out what she's doing. <laughs> and she, she, she's, she's avoiding that pretty well, but, uh, she has in college. Did she join a secret society of rich people? You're talking about the life and death brigade, the stuff with Logan. Yes. The music video. So it was Logan. Logan was in the life and death brigade. And that's kind of how they first started their relationship, I guess, or started moving towards their relationship. So, so I saw that, and because because Logan was rich, and everybody else who came with her that I was that she was all buddy buddy with was rich, and they were wearing the monkey masks and Latin code word that they gave to Phyllis. In omnia paratus. I was like, this has got to be like 
a skull and bone exactly. secret society because she went to Yale and they have that and skull the skull and bones is secret society is at Yale. I was like she ha- that had to have been part of that. In fact, even the monkey masks. That's the first time she has any contact with the life and death brigade. Is the a girl in a ball gown and a gorilla mask, and so that's a throwback to diehard fans who were fans of the life and death brigade. Yeah, and so she kind of she ends up writing an article about the life and death brigade and logan's kind of the one that takes her in and gives her the scoop and lets her be a part of it and you know that's how and, she writes this story about the life and death brigade but and also encourages her to be a part of it it's not like a scary secret society it's like we're a bunch of rich kids that like to do crazy yeah, stuff rich white privileged people who can spend money to do crazy things <laughs> well and that's that that's kind of that's that's kind of what one of the theories behind the skulls is aside from the fact that they have they have all sorts of influence and power but i okay so the editing on that part of the show i was so confused because i was like wow stars hollow is the biggest small town that i know what other small town has a tango club that has lots of people oh, well they went to there? vermont didn't yeah, they i assumed that that was yes, elsewhere but there was but that was just all edited out it was like because yeah. it was in the music video well, and the editing on that was terrible like it was fun it was so i enjoyed watching it and being all like there was probably a secret society and like trying to pick out stuff there no i i totally agree with you i think it was so weird and it was so unlike the original run of the series that i like literally i just kept waiting for roy to wake up and like be like oh it's a weird dream i had that the life and death brigade came to visit me or something (laughs) like no joke i like kept being like what is going on like, this would never happen in the original run. And that's actually one of the, like, criticisms I had about it is I was like, I get it. I get, like, wanting to bring the Life and Death Brigade back. But I'm like, they could have done that in such a less, like, Dramatic. music music video. I'm like, we they legitimately had a music video within Gilmore Girls. I'm like, when did well, that and- ever happen on the original run of the show? The return right? of the Life and Death Brigade did not bother me. The return of Colin Finn, Robert, I loved it. It was great. I I also did not really even have a problem with the with the extravagance of it all, like the fact that, oh, suddenly the entire town is deserted and they've changed all of these things. And like you said, Taylor, they break into dozies and like leave like make money rain everywhere. Like that all was really, really odd and very out of character in just in general. It what bothered me more about it was the music video aspect of it because it was taken so directly from across the universe music and everything yes like it's that's it's not wasn't just like a hint here and there like oh that's from where they got that idea from like no from like start to finish that's a scene in across the universe and it like you said it doesn't feel like the regular series it doesn't feel like it would be there that's definitely the problem i had with it I guess I'm in the minority that that was like literally my favorite part of the show. Oh, no. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. As soon as they showed up, like as soon as she turns to the window and you see the three people walking through, I was just like, oh, my gosh, the Life of Death Brigade's back. And I know that's going to be. I'm so excited. The thing that I liked about it is that we we had been dealing with so much heaviness, right, that it was a reprieve for even for even Rory. Like Rory had this moment there where she could just forget about all of her problems and just live in this, you know, joyous, whimsical time. And then at the very end of that whole scene, it's like, well, that was fun. Crap. Now it's time to go back to it, you know? And like, how many of us have really wanted that? You know, like, we're like, oh, I'm dealing with this really heavy thing right now. I just want to do something that I don't have to think about, you know? My senior year in high school, I had 
six AP classes. And uh, we mocked you incessantly. I, uh, that's that sounds <laughs> terrible. Hey, you were in like five of them with me, so <laughs> it was that sixth one that pushed you out of the end. Well, guys, it's a real Rory <laughs> Gilmore thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so here's here's the thing. So here here's why I bring that up. I was so stressed the week of AP tests. I was like, I've got to study everything, and I've got to understand everything. I got to pass this because you know, here I am. I'm no, I'm no Rory Gil- Gilmore with the grandparents who can pay for Yale. Is that why you didn't go to Yale? That's exactly. That's the that's only. The reason. only reason. That's the only reason. Because uh, he wasn't Rory Gilmore. <laughs> but so I'm like, I've got to get this college credit uh, taken care of in high school as much as I can, and I was just stressing. About the same time, there was a basketball tournament going on. For uh, it was a Japanese basketball tournament that. I had done every year up until until this year, and my family we had a team, and it was fun because me and my cousins we would play. We had a couple that were really quick, and then we had. So I'm six five, and I have cousins that are my same size, and it was an Asian basketball tournament. So like the centers on the other team were maybe six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we we've got our stereotypical quick small point guard in our fa- point guards, a couple of them in our family, but we also have really big guys. And so we dominated inside and it was always fun to do that. But my senior year AP tests were the week after this tournament. And I told my dad, who was the coach of this team, I was like, I'm not doing this. I have to study. And I was freaking out. And my dad said, you know what? I don't care. You're if you, if you pass him, you pass him. If you don't, you don't. Uh, he's like, if you don't pass him, I'll pay for that class in college. And he made me do the basketball tournament. And it was great. It was a weekend where I did not think about AP tests. I was playing basketball. I was having a good time. I was spending time with people that I cared about. And we, and we, and we won the tournament. And so I had a great time. And if I hadn't taken that breather, I would have like had a meltdown in the middle of an AP test. As opposed so, to the half a meltdown you had already. <laughs> well, you know, exactly, exactly. The meltdown was just with my dad, who we've already talked about. Uh, he and I did not see eye to eye on many things. Uh, this is like our own personal therapy session, like Emily and Lorelai. <laughs> uh, I, I get why Rory would want, would need to have a break. I hated how I had to figure out where that break took place in the story and how they traveled across state lines. And, you know, I'm okay with the fact that it took me a minute to figure out all these people are rich because I didn't watch the series. Right up until Colin decides fi- to buy the tango club. So he can change yeah, the well, music. The, well, <laughs> you know, the, the, the making money rain in the convenience store. I was, you were sold after that. That was the point. That was the point where I was like, okay, oh, these guys are money. rich and this is a, and this is a secret society. So yeah, I think that um, what they were trying to do with that, I definitely, it makes sense to me. I just think the way they executed it was how I did not. Yeah. I like, I didn't like that. And I love like, I agree with Lena. I loved having Colin and Finn and Robert back and like seeing them and hearing, you know, their interactions with Rory and Logan. Like I thought, great. Yes. I love these characters. They're so funny. And, you know, it's great to see them, you know, buy clubs and because they can. And that was great. And I, but I just, I just wanted it to be less cheesy and less theatrical because I was like, this, this isn't fit. This isn't the Gilmore girls I know. And this isn't what, where it was like, yeah, this, Maybe great for some other show. All right, I have a thought. I know that I don't have a lot during this, but um, <laughs> so so a lot of the criticisms that I keep hearing from a lot of people are I didn't like the musical, right? I didn't like that that took me out of the show, and now we're saying okay, I didn't like the music video. What if this was 
Miss Palantino. I never remember her first name. Um, what if this Amy? Amy. What if this was Amy Palantino saying, "You know what? I want to write a musical, and this is my chance to put just put it in a show that I love, and I want to direct a music video, and so I'm just going to put it in the show because I can." Like what? That's definitely how it felt sometimes. And Except uh, these were Daniel. Okay, well then, yeah, Daniel. Well, why not? And I feel like, and I actually he, like Daniel's directing better than I liked Amy's. Like, I liked the second episode better. I think they're lighter and they're more whimsical, and obviously that's what I like. You know, I, I definitely prefer winter and fall. Yeah, I think it just depends what you come to Gilmore Girls for. Because I think, sure. like you guys say, the Amy episodes are more like deep and the more emotional connection and the relationship strong and then daniel's episodes are usually more like townies and mm-hmm. the quirk and the it just depends what you like um can i tell you i loved the townies <laughs> they were like once i figured out who was who and how they fit together and i, I i'm terrible with names but you've got the sewer guy who was just taylor Taylor, yeah, he was every every episode. He was doing something, something fun. Whether it was getting a sewer or trying to organize a gay pride he, parade, yeah, he was in his character. Like that is Taylor throughout the whole one hundred percent. Like that's just him. His breakdown in the diner. Yes, I thought all of Taylor's storylines were great. Yeah, and okay, what about Uber? Oh, Kirk, Uber. Uber. I thought all of Kirk's Kirk. stuff was great. I. I, I and loved, on par. Yeah, very much. I loved the the scene of him being like, "Oh, Lorelai, are you thirsty?" And he like reaches back and grab like hands her a Brita filtered water. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Like he he he's almost there. Like he the ex he's got some great ideas, but the <laughs> execution is just not quite well, there. Or yeah, the other the other one that really got me was where he comes to f- the Emily's house for Friday night dinner, and then he's oh, like, "Jeez." Oh, I see that they're playing soccer out there. Might I be excused? It seems they're short a man. <laughs> then he goes out there and you just hear him, Hey, I'm Kirk. I, I loved all the Kirk stuff. So uh, one thing along those lines, because we all love Kirk, and as weird as and, and awkward as he always always been, he's always been wonderful. But um, at the end of fall, before um, when they go to elope, um, they Kirk comes in first and is so distraught that he's ruined <laughs> Lorelai's big day. All of the, the glitter gun and everything, and now it's all ruined. Um, and then they talk about going to elope, and then Lorelai sends him a text that just says, it's perfect. And... To me, it felt more like a planned elopement. This was Luke getting her where she needed to be. This was not, oh, we happen to be, you know, out and decide we're going to do this. But this was Luke and Kirk and doing it for Lorelai. So are you saying that Luke is the master manipulator? Correct. And I definitely want to Mm. see a flash mob to Steely Dan. I was just going to say, well, clearly they both (laughs) had their own plans with their both, both of their flash mobs. So... No, I, you know, I, I loved it. I loved how they fit together because there was one part where uh, Emily is giving Lorelai a lot of crap about Stars Hollow and the people who lived there. Yeah. And I, 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 as I was watching that, I was like, yeah, these people are crazy. <laughs> but, it, but it's I, a good and this kind is of crazy. Time where it, well, this is where I put my myself in Lorelai's shoes. I was like, yeah, these people are crazy, but they're my crazy yeah. people. And you gotta love them because my circus, they, my monkeys. <laughs> exactly, and I I really liked how they all fit together. Um, yeah, it was it was a well written show, and I I don't know. There's not there's there's a lot more that we could say. Let's we could we could analyze everything. Yes, I I agree. Do you think that you'll go back and watch any of the original? Do you think that it you know made you? 
curious enough to see what that's like? Or are you just like, no, I'm good? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not opposed to watching some of the originals. But at the same time, I have such a long list of things that I should watch. And I have a hard time going back. I watched Limitless the past couple weeks because it's one season. I, I went into it knowing that it's one season and that I can get in and out of it real quick and easy. No problem. Gilmore Girls is seven seasons. <laughs> it's fine. Don't watch season seven. Taylor and I made you a list of two to three episodes per season that were important to watch. You know what? If you, if you have a binge cut for me, if you have a binge cut that is watch these episodes, I, w- I would probably do that. Yeah. We were trying to narrow it down to two per season, but there were a couple of seasons where important things happen. It needed to be three. But if you're willing to put in a couple more episodes, we could probably include a little more backstory. Well, and I think that the revival would mean more to you <laughs> if you had but i don't know it was also hard to narrow down where <laughs> i was like okay all these important things happen and which one's your favorite yeah, child exactly like pick how, it, okay pick it now. where i like told lena i'm like oh this is gonna be fine i can pick two episodes per season and then it was, i was like Wait, okay no, it's really stressful i can't do this we're gonna have to come back to season <laughs> one there's like eight episodes i think he needs to watch Okay. All right. So do you guys have the list now or is it something you're still working on? Um, Taylor uh, had I it. mean, yeah, I do have the list. Okay. So we'll put that in the show notes then. One thing that I did want to, to go back. And- one thing I did want to say back when we were talking about Logan and the Life and Death Brigade is I really loved their ending, Logan and, and Rory's ending there in the bed and breakfast when she said, you know, thank you for coming to save me. And he said, you never needed it. And to me, that was a throwback to all of it. It was the whole season, the whole series. It was Logan has always been there for her to to do those things for her, provide that break to help her in that way. But that was him basically telling her, you didn't need me. You didn't need this. I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll give this to you, Lena. That episode, I was a little bit Team Logan. See, it like, happens to everybody. He, 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 that episode, I'm just saying that episode, because uh, it's like, oh, he really does care about her and he's doing, he's, he's pulling out all the stops to make sure that she's, that she, that she's okay. However, he still went home to Odette. Exactly. It was very much a Logan thing where he, in the original series, I felt like he was always a fan of the big gesture mm-hmm. of the like grand of, I'm going to make this trip to you, or I'm going to buy you this expensive thing or offer you this, where like it made very much sense that he sent, he knew that Rory was hurting and was struggling and he did the same thing he always does. He comes with a big grand gesture and he yep. lets his money talk. <laughs> See, yep. I'm a fan of the grand gestures, but I am a very big proponent of fidelity. It's the everyday little things. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Not love that too, but it's the that's your love language. Huh? It's, it, it, it's the everyday little things that add up and make all of the difference. So I feel like you'd be and Team Jess it, then. Whatever, Team Jess. <laughs> we are not even discussing the little things that went into Jess and Rory's relationship. <sighs> so he did. He did have his redeeming qualities at the end, but. After they had not been together for like three years. Yeah. Whatever. I'm pretty sure if Brandon watched all the previous episodes, he would be Team Jess. Whatevs. You know what? Milo Ventimiglia, I'm kind of a fan of his. So I I could be oh. Team Jess. I could see He's myself. pretty freaking attractive. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly why Brandon's gonna want. <laughs> that's what I'm basing all my that's what I'm basing all my decisions off of. No, I'm ba- uh, I I've been a fan of his since Heroes. I've kind of liked yeah. li- liked his liked him from there. So So, because um, I can feel we're wrapping up. Um Taylor and I were ca- talking about this pretty constantly for the last two weeks. <laughs> and um 
we also had another revelation that Rory's pregnancy could have been a surrogacy. <laughs> what? I think Rory would have known about that. No, I know. exactly. What if it was happened off screen? And what if what we didn't realize is that she's pregnant? It was on Luke purpose. and Lorelai's child. Surprise! Because you cut. don't know. And that is a deep cut. Right? You don't know what <laughs> what Lorelai does or doesn't know about it. I'm, I'm blowing, we're blowing the listeners' minds right yes. now. Um, for anybody who found the pregnancy to be a shocking f- portion of the show, which it did for me the first time, rewatching it was not shocking at all. Um, oh, there's no, even a... Yeah, there's even a subtle reference to her going to the doctor the day of the crazy wedding plans when they're hashing out the guest list and all of that. Rory makes a doctor's appointment and leaves for the doctor and then talks to her dad. And like, so all of these things become pretty obvious. Also solidifies my it's Logan's baby. Well, yeah, I don't know if you if you realize like it took me a while after like a few hours, I guess, to realize how much sense that conversation with her dad, Christopher, made sense, like, after the fact. Yeah. It wasn't just, I'm doing research for a book, it's, I really need life advice. Which, yeah, honestly made me, when I was watching the scene the first time, I was like, well, this is kind of weird. Why is she asking her dad about this? This seems so Like, in the we past. just needed Christopher in the, yeah. so, in the show. Yeah, why do we, why does she care about asking about, you know all these things that are have already happened where I was like, oh, this makes sense. She's pregnant and she wanted her dad to help her know what to do. Where I, I don't know, I really enjoyed those kind of like things that clicked. And I was like, oh, I get it now. You were you were kind of laying that out for me to pick up on. Okay, so the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting the way that they, they did it. Here we are talking about Rory's pregnancy, which we've already said Rory had the least growth out of any character. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Luke and Lorelai, who... I liked I liked that storyline. And yeah, and and we all agreed that Emily had the most interesting arc and we've barely talked about it. And it's I It's because it feels finished. There's nothing to discuss. I can just tell you how much <laughs> no, you I know, loved it some more. <laughs> well, so so here so here's the thing. Here's the thing that I think about that is I don't think that story arc was for us. And so we don't we are not equipped necessarily to talk about that we we don't know what it's like to be married to somebody for 50 years and have it and have it just end yeah no i agree and actually um i lost my grandpa in september and my grandparents had been married for about that long and so for me watching these like the funeral episode and talking hearing emily talk about what it's like to not be a wife anymore really hit me because my grandmother is going through the same thing just with a lot less money Aren't we all going through life with a lot less money than the Gilmores? <laughs> right. 90% of the U.S. <laughs> I, I, I would say that most teenage teenage mothers do not end up buying an inn. Um, uh, it's just not something that most... I don't know. Have you done a study? <laughs> Brandon probably has. <laughs> Maybe there's a big crossover between inn owners and teen pregnancy. Oh, okay. All right. Well... I did a little bit of research on you know, looking at episode recaps, trying to remember, because I only watched this one time because I binged it over the weekend. But I'm like, I'm try- trying to remember some of the things I want to talk about. So I, I read a bunch of recaps, and they were all written by what I'm going to assume is a 20 to 30-something-year-old. And none of them, like several of them said, my favorite character was Emily, but then none of them went on to discuss her. And so I just want to point out, we all love Emily, and there's a reason we're not discussing her, and I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's just because we don't we don't know how to 
how to explain that. We just don't have the the tools and the equipment I, to I will definitely, dissect that story. Yeah, I will definitely agree with that because, like you said earlier, you're we feel like we're supposed to relate to Rory as as fellow people of her age and, you know, having different life experiences, we still feel like we should know, um, feel more uh, related to her. But now as we've gone through our own life experiences, we start to relate more with Lorelai and with Luke. And it, it feels different because I don't even know if I necessarily related with Rory when I was in high school or right after high school watching this show. But I don't know. You were perfect in, in lots of ways. <laughs> uh, right. Though, absolutely. And private school. Yeah. That private school that we both went to exactly. was, was amazing. Yeah, you, they let anybody you in. You went to Harvard, right? <laughs> you know it. It's where I met you, Taylor. It, and so, I don't know. I just feel like you're right. We don't know how to discuss Emily's story because it is foreign to us in the way of empathy, but we relate a lot to, like I said with my grandma, we relate a lot to her circumstances, but because her character is so well-written and this growth is so perfect, there's just not a lot to pick apart. Exactly. I think yeah. I think that's there's something to be said about the fact that hers was almost the most like satisfying that it's a lot easier to talk about Rory and to kind of be like, Ugh, what about this? And Ugh, this choice she made and this story thing that didn't quite make sense. And I don't know, it's kind of easier to a little bit to criticize to just be like, Oh, well, and this was great about Emily and this was great. And also this was great. And this was great. And I loved this yeah. too kind of thing where I don't, sometimes it's easier to pull, pull out and talk about weird things that you didn't like, as opposed to just, you know, going on about everything you loved. Okay. Well, I I think I th I think that is exactly why people haven't done it and I now understand why there's a desert of talking about her online because every like everybody that ever mentioned her was like I love her. And that's all. But that was it. And so I was like, why why isn't there more about her if everybody loved her? But to be honest, people who are writing TV recaps, talking on podcasts, stuff like that are not going to be of the generation that mm -hmm. that understands that. So, uh, no, I, I like what you both said about that. Uh, Nick, you've been quiet. Did we put you to sleep? No, I just um, felt that they had more to say about it than me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything Anything that you wanted that stuck out to you, Nick? You've been pretty quiet. You've been pretty what, good at letting, letting them talk. Well, my uh, one of the things that I really connected with um, was actually Richard even though he wasn't even in the show. Like, for some reason, that just hit home to me, and that's why I loved it so much. One of the things I found really interesting and I've thought a lot about is the whole um, idea that he left money to Luke in his will, and he didn't tell, you know, Lorelai about it. And so there's two ways that you can think about this. One way is, is that he was completely fine with their relationship, even though throughout the series, there was this rocky, you should be with him, you shouldn't. And like everyone, you know, I mean, Lorelai, I mean, there was a whole controversy on whether or not they should be together or not. And, you know, the parents were influencing it one way or another. And, um, and it was interesting to me that he left him money. So it could either mean that he was, completely fine with their relationship and he wanted to help out his daughter one last way but he knew that she wouldn't accept the money or it could be the dark side where he's like i know that you told me you didn't want any money you told me that you didn't want a franchise but i don't care what you think this is what's best for you and i'm gonna do it anyway even beyond the grave and so even i, I don't even think that method is dark though 
you know, I but. think that method is him him saying, "I care about you enough to force you to do the right thing." Yeah, and I know best. I think it's all in opinion and perspective. Yeah, and so I mean, that was just something that was really kind of stood out to me, and I thought it was kind of cool. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was throughout the show, the way that you could get Lorelai and um, the family together was at quote-unquote Sunday dinners. And that's something that you don't know anything about. Friday night dinners. Or Friday night dinners. Okay. Sorry. Very different. Wrong day. Wrong day. Okay, so Friday night (laughs) dinners was like this huge thing in the series. And then once Richard was gone, there wasn't a device for the show to bring everyone together so that that Lorelai and and, um, Emily could have an argument. So they had to bring that into the show and the way they did that was with therapy and that was the only way that you were going to be able to get those two to talk and be in a situation where they do it and i just thought that was clever the way that they did that see i don't i I don't think that they that put them in a situation to talk though because the entire time they were in therapy they weren't talking i thought it was more of a and this goes back to my perspective issue where i thought it was more of a way for lorelei to come to terms with who she was and the growth that she needed to make because she was the only one who ever really talked. Yeah, I think I think I agree that it was like set up. It was a nice setup of like showing again how Lorelai and Emily struggled to communicate and here they go trying to make this work again. And I kind of I kind of thought it was so funny that Emily, the one that starts this whole thing, ends up being like, "No, I'm not doing this anymore." And, and her reason is because you wouldn't change. Yeah. We've been doing and- it this long and you <laughs> haven't changed and so I'm out. To me, that was the whole purpose of Friday night dinners. It's like, I'm going to force you to come here and we're going to tell you how you're supposed to live and we're going to fix you. I, yeah, I can see that. And so she was just creating another way for that to happen. It, you know, it was all part of her master plan and it just so happened that it worked this time because they had this, you know, mutual travesty that happened in their lives. And it still didn't work, but it, it did provide a way for them to, you know, have conflict in the show. Whereas before it was before it was those dinners, it was just something that I just observed, and I was like, "Huh, cool, good job." No, writers. I definitely agree. I think that, but I also agree with what Brandon says that it also was more of a it was also more of a catalyst for Lorelai specifically, where I think it helped her work out some of her issues with like Luke and that relationship and her coming to terms because she is the one that kind of stuck with it longer than Emily, and actually, like I think that yeah, it started off as that, and then kind of it helped push Lorelai's story more than anything. Well, and the other thing that was really fun was that it, it just, it, it just brought home the fact that Luke is who he is. <laughs> like no matter what anyone wants to do to him, like he is what he is. And he's just kind of going through life and just hopes that things happen, you know, turn out and he fights for what he likes and what he wants, but only, you know, if he's prodded and pushed a little bit. And ultimately, as long as he's comfortable and as long as yeah. he's, you know, not being put out too much, then it's fine. He'll go yeah. with it. And I thought everyone did a really good job of just jumping right back into their characters. Like the acting. Yes. Like to me, like, I don't think anyone skipped a beat at all. Like everyone was just like, and and I really believe that Alexis Bledel, Rory, she is a way better actress than she was in the show because sometimes it was just painful for me to watch her in some of those early and young seasons Agreed. where I was just like, you are not a good actress. Oh, At least they and, knew better than to give her a breakdown scene in this because she yeah. does not handle crying well. Yeah, she definitely grew as an actress, but it's also like, if you, if you know, that was her first acting like that was literally her first well, acting I job. Knew, yeah i knew that <laughs> and it was very apparent you know which brought me out of the show 
you know, and it was just another reason to be like, yes, you're arguing, but you're not really arguing. And so I just have more anxiety, you know, like (laughs) Nick needs to take a Xanax before he watches Gilmore Girls. No, usually I have to go into like a Zen like state. I think all the Gilmore Girls could stand to take a Xanax. Right. But, you know, like I said, like knowing that there's closure and like where stuff, how stuff ends up, it actually makes the show a lot more easier to watch and to have in the background and knowing the characters and stuff like that. Because, you know, just being an outsider, not knowing anything about it and just hearing all these people yell, like it was really hard. (laughs) And we had a lot of discussions about it. Me and Lena. A lot of heated discussions. Yeah, just about like <laughs> the show gives well, me anxiety. I, like, I even want to say like, it's within the past year that you have made your turn on Gilmore Girls, where you have because you used to like. It seems like even a year ago you were like, I don't like that show. To I was kind of surprised when you said we should do a show on Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it. I don't know. The indoctrination is complete. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I'd like to take credit for this. Well, and part of and part of it is is that sometimes you just kind of resign yourself into okay, I need to find value in something, right? And then when you find when you jump into a fandom, like people will like, there's so many people that are like, I am not going to watch that show because too many people like it, or like, oh, I'm not, you know. And for me, it was okay. You know what? I've had this experience with this show, and this is how I feel about it, and this is how it makes me feel, and so I don't want I don't want to be a part of it, right? Because this is giving me anxiety. And then, you know, talking to somebody that I love and I trust and, you know, is a big part of my life and talking to her about it and not necessarily watching the show, but her just having a conversation with her saying, this is what's going on with the show and this is interesting about it. It brought me into the show and let me learn more about it, which made me appreciate it more. And I gave it more of a chance because I learned more about it. I didn't just, you know, say, oh, well... I don't like it, so I'm not going to like it forever. You're you're welcome, Nick. Yeah, that was very well said. I didn't make the decision. I didn't make the decision. I didn't let the decision that I made initially affect my opportunity to miss out on something great and some great storytelling. I am not going to admit that this is the my favorite show in the world and that I am going to go and turn it on and watch it. I will never watch it just on my own. But I will have it around in my life forever. <laughs> and I will appreciate it. I'm so glad you've resigned yourself to that. It'll make the next 50 <laughs> years so much easier. I think that this is the true arc of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> it's Nick English and growing to finally accept that he does actually love it just a little. <laughs> we have come full circle. I will say that there is one other reason is that me and Lena made an, made an agreement Lena, do you want to tell him what the agreement is? Yes. Nick agreed to watch all of the revival with me if I would agree to finally watch Daredevil. Season wow. one. She started watching it like two times. She's watched like the first two or three episodes a couple of times. But Lena has agreed to watch Daredevil with me. And it's a reason for me to watch Daredevil again because I want to go and back to it. I would just like to say that I did was not not watching Daredevil for any particular reason other than, like Brandon stated earlier, there's a lot of things to watch. And yep. I... 
<laughs> I missed out on the initial viewing of it, like binging of it all. And so I was just like, well, I'll get into it eventually. And yep. every time we tried to watch it, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I'd always fall asleep and I couldn't keep the story <laughs> straight. So when he yeah. said that, I was like, okay, fine. Like this is an opportunity for me to actually watch the show and know and what's going on. And that's also partially why I chose that show is because I knew that she had a desire to watch it and I wasn't forcing her to watch some like crazy weird anime that I've love and she's like i don't ever want to watch this or something you know so i chose compromise i purposely chose a show that i knew that she would want to watch but maybe didn't have you know and she and she chose a show that you would enjoy sure because she knew in her heart of hearts that everybody (laughs) is going to enjoy this show well she didn't she didn't choose that i just said hey lena i'm gonna watch this show with you but let's make a deal so i was like playing i was playing like hey you know what i'm gonna do this anyway but why don't i get something out of it that sounds a little <laughs> manipulative, like Emily. Well, sounds that's a little why bit he liked like Taylor Brooks story so much. as a social worker. No, yeah, well, it's just it's just kind of how. I mean, you might as well. That's how marriage works, I, I guess. Yeah, that's just uh-huh. how marriage works, right? <laughs> while while you were sitting there talking about, and at the risk of making this the longest episode of the podcast ever, <laughs> uh, three hours. I, I warned you that I could talk about Gilmore Girls for hours and hours. We so, haven't even uh, gotten to the tip of the iceberg with. Our good friend Taylor, so we might have to invite <laughs> yeah. her back. Or okay, something. so this is this is the last this is the last thing that I want to that I want to talk about because and then I will and then I'll stop talking. <laughs> and let the girl let the girls choose a final thing that they want to talk about, um, and then we can wrap this this thing up. But the so when you were talking about Daredevil and Gilmore Girls, I was thinking about how how they're similar and how they're different and there are there are some similarities and some differences, but one of the big differences is the stakes. We you know, we've talked about how this show is they're in a bubble and they are so white privileged. So the stakes of things, the the only stakes that even really matter like are like this is kind of heavy in the entire series is at the very end when Rory's like, I'm pregnant. At that point, you're talking about a whole other human life and the stakes are pretty high. But the whole rest of the, the whole rest of the show, all of these little things that they're fighting about, they really don't mean anything. And I usually like a superhero show where the stakes are the world's going to end or, you know, the can't let the bad guy get the power stone because they'll use it to destroy the universe or the galaxy or, you know, however you want to go with that. But part of me wonders if in Gilmore Girls, part of why you can discuss it so much is because those stakes are so low. Because it doesn't really matter too much what's actually happening. What is really important is the motivations behind it. And so we don't get caught up talking about, well, you know, if they would have done this, the whole world wouldn't have been been destroyed. It's more like, oh, so the wrong person got cast in the musical. So what? She, she, she played kinky boots. (laughs) Whoop-dee-doo. That's not the, that's not the character name. Kinky boots is not actually a character in the show. (laughs) But she was in kinky boots. But uh, <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Anyway, I, that is, I thought but that was really funny, th- actually. Those st- those stakes don't matter at all. It doesn't matter who's who's the lead. What matters are their intentions. And like I think Lena, you were just saying that it's it makes it a character driven story yes. and not an event driven. It's story. exactly the reason that I really enjoy Downton Abbey because ninety percent of that only matters to the people inside that big house. But it is so well done 
and so interesting that you just have to know how this turns out. You have to know how their lives turn out. And that is where Gilmore have Girls to. is. You have to know. I will attest to that. Well, and I think that there's something, I don't know, that's almost more powerful to me about stories like this, where we're not talking about some life and death like stakes. We're not talking about saving the world. These are just people. And this is their relationships and the way they interact with each other and the way that they say things or they don't say things or they say the wrong things. And that's something that I can connect with where I'm I'm not saving the world on the weekends. That's not what my life is about. <laughs> like my life is about interacting with my mom or my sister or my friends or the people I work with. And that's where I find those connections and that meaning. And so to me, it's, it's easier for me to connect to these characters and to, to relate to them or to be like, Oh yeah, my mom's like that sometimes. And my grandma says stuff that's crazy too, or I'll attest to that <laughs> where I don't know. I think that's, that's where it's more beautiful and more, more meaningful for me to be, I don't, I don't need those life and death stakes. Like, I mean, that's fun and that's exciting to watch sometimes, but there's something more comforting and more, I don't know, meaningful to have it be like, no, this, yeah, this happens to me too. I definitely relate more with Rory Gilmore than I do with Tony Stark. (laughs) I don't know. I'd like to think me and Tony are both pretty funny. (laughs) Funny and good I think they probably have about the same amount of money from what I can, what I've seen on uh, Gilmore Girls. (laughs) So, all right. Do you, uh, do you also have anything else you want to add to this? That's a dangerous question, Brandon. I figure I gave Nick a chance to pull out something, and then I pulled out <laughs> something. It's only fair to let you guys have have your last thoughts. Wait too. a minute while I whip this out. We went so long without a movie quote. <laughs> it's because we didn't let him get a word in. <laughs> did we? Did we? Or did I sneak them into my monologue? You got me monologuing. Um, I don't necessarily have something else to discuss um but i i just like we said with emily this is closure for me the reason that the ending of this these four episode arcs the reason that was so jarring to me the first time i watched it was because this was supposed to be the end this was supposed to be where these people are now, where their stories were um, while they were gone, and um, a little bit into what they have going for them in the future. And for the most part, we got a lot of that. Um, I mean, even though I didn't love the way all of it ended, we got to touch base with everybody that we cared about, and we know where they're at now, and, and a little bit about where they're going and where they've been, and that's fantastic. But those last four words opened up a whole new can of worms that don't feel like closure. It feels like a beginning. And while I liked it in the sense of, sure, full circle, and and I, and I like where, where the possibilities go because there's a lot more opportunities there. But for me, this was supposed to be closure. This was supposed to be, and the end is, <sighs> okay, now I can move on because I know how this ends. But it didn't necessarily feel that way. Um, ultimately. And so in that respect, I do hope that we get more, even if it's, I don't know, a book like or something, whatever, half an hour more of touching base with everybody to tell me where they are. But in, yeah, for that same reason, I also hope that they don't do any more. Let it just be. Let it, let us make our own, draw our own conclusions. You know, we've got the big picture and we already discussed how Rory's a hot mess and this just sort of adds to it. And we can just accept that that's where she's at and she will make it happen just like she's always made it happen. 
you know, it's kind of funny. I have a friend who posts a ton of quotes, you know, the image cards onto Facebook that have just quotes on them. Yeah. Just nonstop. And just recently, this is one that, uh, that she posted. It says, every story has an end, but in life, every ending is just a new beginning. Oh, so appropriate. And that's, and that, that, that's Gilmore Girls right there. It really right? is. Absolutely. And I will probably never not love this show. And I think part of it is because Rory and I are the same age. We went through high school and college at the same time. Granted, we didn't go to similar high schools or colleges, but it felt like I I understood her um, emotional level more because I was there with her. And especially now okay. being like, hey, I know that we've done different things. Like, I know what it's like to be a 32-year-old woman and not quite know what you want to do with the rest of your life. And so I definitely related to that. Um, I don't, Watch out, Nick. She doesn't know what she wants exactly. for the rest of her life. I don't plan to uh, go about it the same way that she did, but it was definitely like one of the few things that I could Team relate Logan. to. Yeah, Team Logan. Here's the difference. <laughs> Lena's got a co-pilot. <laughs> That's true. We're going to factor each other in. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, how about you, Taylor? Any last parting thoughts for us? Um, I guess I, I mean, there's definitely things that I think are problematic about the revival and there are things that I didn't love, but I, overall, I think it was worth it. And I think we finally got to have, I don't know, it's hard because I agree with what Lena said. We got to have so much closure in so many aspects and then, but it also left it so open. And I think part of part of that is great and it's wonderful and it's nice to have it be so open and then part of me is like no but now I want more and now I want you know I I love these characters and I want to keep you know living in this world but then I I also don't want it to be ruined and I don't want I so I don't I don't know yes and no with caveats fancy word yeah I don't I don't I don't know what <laughs> what we should do about Gilmore Girls if we should have another revival or if we should just let it be but I think overall I enjoyed this and I enjoyed being back in the world and it was fun and it was exciting and I mean I still love the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> hey, it's just Gilmore Girls. Drop the the. <laughs> it's oh, it's cleaner. I love you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening to the Fandom Podcast. I hope we were able to help you escape from your daily grind, smile, introduce you to a new fandom. I hope you stuck through this. If you have never seen Gilmore Girls before, I hope there's a whole bunch of guys that were listening to this that are like, I'm going to watch Gilmore Girls now. Uh, if you enjoyed this, take a minute to head over to our website, fandompodcast.com, and subscribe over fandompodcast.com slash iTunes, fandompodcast.com slash Android, or you can just go to your favorite podcast app and search for Fandom Podcast. If you want to be part of the conversation... In this one, I'm going to actually change it up a little bit. If you want to be part of the conversation, if you have opinions on Gilmore Girls, send them in to us. I want to hear. I'll read them on on the podcast. I would love to know what you guys think about the revival. Uh, or if you want to just send in a random fandom, uh, we've got random at fandompodcast.com, feedback at fandompodcast.com, fandompodcast.com slash contact, facebook.com slash fandompodcast. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. We want your opinions. This uh, like uh, this has been a really interesting discussion on, on something that I did not think we would go near as in-depth on, but it was a lot of fun to do that. Uh, if you want to help support the show, head over and do your Christmas shopping by using the link fandompodcast.com slash Amazon. 
And I actually have been working on another special offer for you guys. If you listen to podcasts, you hear people promoting Audible, giving away free Audible trials with one month free, one book free. Uh, I've got it set up for you guys. If you head over to fandompodcast.com slash Audible and sign up, you'll be signing up for the gold plan, which is fourteen ninety five a month. But if you sign up using our link, you get two free audiobooks. And there are so many books to enjoy, over 180,000 titles to pick from. And there, and if you have no idea what the wild is, or what wild is, not the wild. <laughs> drop you, the the. If you have, <laughs> drop the the. We just cleaner. went over this. Uh, <laughs> if you if you have uh, if you have no idea what wild is, you can get that book. If you want to read some of those references that they made on Gilmore Girls, lots of picks there. If you were like, I'm going to try that out, and you were like, that was absolutely terrible. I don't like it. Audible has a great listening guarantee. You can return it, pick another book. At those at, at the end of those 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. You can keep those books. Or you can keep paying like I do and every month get a new book. If you're looking forward to Rogue One, there is a new Star Wars book called Catalyst Out, which is a lot of prequel to Rogue One. So, you know, whether you want Gilmore Girls or Star Wars, you've got lots of choices there. So head over to fandompodcast.com slash audible, sign up for the trial, get your two free books. It's a little different than most of the podcasts out there. Different means better. Different is better. Until next time. This thing we're doing here, you and me, I'm in. I'm all in. Still Team Logan. Definitely still Team Jess. May the fandom be with you. We'll, we'll put Nick in charge. All right. I'm in charge. <laughs> Don't tell Lena. <laughs>